Happy New Year, everybody. Um, uh, we are back. Uh, episode, I think, is, is 34, right, Taro? I think we're on 35, aren't we? Oh, are we on 35? Well, it's number one of uh, 2000, 2021, which we hope is going to be a better year than uh, 2020. Uh, yeah, and I'm uh, joined, as always, by James McKeown of No Breaking Podcast and Taro Koki, who makes hello, all this hello. happen, president of GT uh, Channel, and today, Craig Lieberman of Fast and Furious fame and the uh, R34 right there, uh, right behind him. I think that's an R34. Yeah. Uh, but before we start uh, the interviewing process, I just thought, uh, first, I'll start with James. How was your uh, uh, last couple of weeks, Christmas, New Year's? Well, it's probably very different to yours, Sam. I mean, I spent lots of time. I mean, there was numerous concerts to go to, sporting events, family dinners, you know, all sorts of things on the go. It was like nonstop here in Southern California. It was like I didn't spend a minute at home, basically, is what I'm saying. What are you saying? I, I just don't understand. I'm in Southern California, and there was, there was nothing to do. Oh, that was in my mind. Sorry. Yes, I exactly. Thought, yeah, sorry, I get confused by leaving the house and just in my mind. Wow. You're, well, you know what? Good for you to have such an overactive imagination. So I hope you uh, I hope you went on some really nice, well, trips, right? Yes. You know? No, we didn't. Uh, none leaving the house aside from to get groceries and walk the dog. Kaiju okay. Her so a quiet New Year's for you, huh? And Christmas as well, yes. And Christmas. How about you, Taro? Oh God! I mean, why are we why are we even asking these questions, Sam? It's, it's like no one went anywhere. We're, oh, really? Yeah. I, no I took. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I I took some day day trips. So I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. the beach and you know stuff like that. Craig, how about you? I've been living the quarantine lifestyle ever since I got married, so it's no big adjustment for me. Dang! I was just hoping <laughs> someone out there would be, would have been breaking the quarantine. Maybe you know snuck out somewhere, but. There are a few restaurants in Orange County, uh, guys, that are, you know, kind of open to outdoor dining that they shouldn't be. So I, I did eat in some of those places and it was outdoors. So I felt pretty safe. But otherwise, yeah, nah, I guess there wasn't really not. not too well, you are a wild man, Sam. No one can tame you and you <laughs> just take rules and you just throw them out the window. You just cast them aside. Well, speaking of throwing things out the window, but uh yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening uh, uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. today, just to give you guys uh, 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 kind of what's going on in the country, especially people who are outside of our country. But we still decided to do this show. So, you know, that, that's that's our commitment. We're on the West Dude. Coast, so we're 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 safe. Carl, come on, man! You're like you're like you're like blowing all my drama, dramatic buildups here. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, let's uh, let's get this interview going. Uh, Craig, great to have you with us. Uh, Taro, you are our import guy, so why don't you get things rolling? Yeah, I'll get it going. Craig, welcome to our show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good good start to a new year. Not really politically, but otherwise, I've been. Pretty lucky, you know, the cars and coffee was still going up until a couple of months ago. Yeah. And there were still some activities. You pop in with a mask, keep your social distance and all that. So you, you guys know you live in Southern California. I mean, this is the, the, the you know, the hub for all the cool car shows, really. Mm -hmm. So got to still partake in the hobby. But, you know, it's been an adjustment. Yeah, I was just on a call with the guys from Caffeine and Octane, the guys that run those big events out in the on the east coast and georgia mainly 
they were saying that they they're still like full blown. They're going all out. They had like hundreds and thousands of cars out just just a couple of weekends ago. So they're they're still going strong, man, on the East Coast. You see, uh, James. I mean, there are things people are doing things. <laughs> well, I, I know that uh, Sam, but I also fear for my life. So I'm happy to be inside in my pajamas, rocking it out. Let's be honest here. You I'd, mean rather, in your, uh, I'd rather in make your it a speed. Few- Few years as opposed to just spending a few minutes outside. Let's be honest. Well, you and your uh, GT Channel T-shirt, right? Of course, yep. <laughs> Craig, I like so, your T-shirt too. Yeah, this was on the back is a picture of that blue GTR that oh, the guy Matt's Boost created some twenty years ago. Oh yeah, I remember that. Remember Matt's that? Boost. Yeah. So the guy sent me. Dennis. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis. Right? I can never yeah. pronounce his name. Nice guy. So he said, uh, you want any shirts? I said, I'll take five. I don't care how much they cost. I want five. <laughs> My neighbors probably think I wear the same shirt Monday through Friday. Go to the... And I actually had someone, I have five of these, but yeah, it's, you know, old school. All right. So, so Craig, um, great to have you on the show. I mean, we, we talk about the GTR probably the most out of any, any car. Um, GT channel audience are all about GTRs and all about, you know, Paul and, um, explain to our audience um, what exactly you did for the greatest automotive move, movie franchise of, this, of, of the world. All right. Well, I was a technical advisor. If you'll see it misquoted in various print publications mm-hmm. or online saying I was a director. That wasn't me. I wasn't the script writer. <laughs> you can only give me so much blame or fame. Okay, that's it. It's, let's be honest. So they, they, I was at a, standing at a car show uh, with a, this yellow Toyota Supra. I had this older gentleman came up to me, started asking me questions, invited me up to Universal. They saw my car. They liked it. Uh, I took the actor for a ride, Paul, and the, the director for a ride. They said, okay, we're going to hire you. Technical advisor, started a three-year adventure. Uh, I was in charge of finding all the Japanese tuner cars, recommending the parts and all that kind of stuff. And it just went on and on and on helped with the script and the dialogue, trying to give them consultation and so forth. Recruit all the cars that we used for the first movie then did pretty much the same thing for the second movie. So that thing went on <laughs> forever. So you worked on the first two movies, right? And so I first think- three, yeah. Oh, first three, okay, okay. Um, I, I give you a lot of credit for, I think the, the world owes you uh, the credit for making Fast and the Furious really not miss you know the target um in in terms of like authenticity what would would you say that would that would be true I, I, thanks for the credit but honestly rob Gowen was was a sponge uh he, he literally went out and observed a street race he literally went to hot import nights and took a look at cars the casting calls that we had at Universal every Friday, I'm going to get ready to drop a video on this whole topic, but every Friday, we, RJ DeVere and I, he was a co-technical advisor. We would invite a bunch of friends. This was before the internet was kind of a thing. There was MySpace back then. <laughs> yeah, they were having a casting call for this movie called Redline. You should bring your car out. Here's the cars we're looking for. So, you know, he wanted to keep it authentic. You know, they, they wanted to do the stereotypical thing too. You know, things like the graphics and the giant wings and the aggressive body kits. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to absorb everything. The Bo Suzuko trend in Japan. We were showing him options magazines. We were showing him uh, all the videos from Japan, you know. And he was trying to capture that, but keep it real to the USA, you know. Because USA has always been a little bit, well, probably a lot uh, slower and a lot further behind than the Japanese market because we look to them. But they, they just 
jumped in and said, okay, this is what we want to do and you're going to help us. And so that was, that was my job. Cool. Uh, cool. Did you, did you um, in your wildest dreams think that it would become what it did become? Um, can, you, even can, after I use, can I use curse words here? Yes. Uh, you, okay. uh, uh, if you, well, try not to. <laughs> uh, it was my watching it being filmed was fun to watch mm -hmm. but you know i had never been on a movie set before and we were sitting at race wars that event out in the desert and we had to move the crowd from over this corner of of the of the lot over to this corner to make it look like we had people there right nobody wanted to come out to the desert for five days and film out there but at the end of it i came back and i said to my wife she goes well what do you think what, how do you think it's going to be straight to dvd <laughs> <laughs> straight to dvd straight to me sorry i i lied straight to vhs oh, oh, oh vhs we're we're dating ourselves but oh yeah, yes right that transition but honestly watching them film it uh i saw it and they invited us all the people who own the cars were actual real people uh and we got invited to the alfred hitchcock theater on the universal's back lot months before the movie came out the music wasn't done the editing mm -hmm. wasn't done and we looked at it and we watched it and said I don't know, man. Straight to VHS, dude. Straight to VHS. But there were some good things there. And then when the movie, I, I went to the Hollywood premiere. I was very lucky to be invited to that thing. Walked the red carpet, people taking pictures of me and my wife like we were somebody. When you can hear the whispers, who the hell are these people? Who the hell are these people? <laughs> and take it. Anyway, so we go through that. And then I watched the movie four, night, four nights later when it debuted in an actual theater in my local theater. And the hijacking scene, people jumped up out of their chairs and they cheered when that scene was over. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to be have watched Star Wars in the movie theater when it came out, okay? Mm -hmm. Didn't see any of that. And right. any movie I've ever been, never seen anything like that. And they were right. It was a hit. Yeah. Here I mean, granted that back then, I mean, no one even knew who the actors were, right? I mean, they were, no one, none of them were big stars. Paul had just bought a silver R34 GTR from Motorex, and we were traveling with that car. He and I were sent out by Universal to promote the movie before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember being, I think it was a Cal Palace at Hot Import Nights or Seattle, one of those shows. Mm -hmm. And there was a long line for people uh, to see the car. They didn't give a shit who Paul Walker was. Right. They didn't know who he was. And everybody was like, what are we standing in line for from an autograph? And I'm standing 10 feet away listening to this. Who is that guy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's usually what happens to me, Craig. So more to more than me. <laughs> so, James, are you okay? Are you? I mean, I know I know talking about these movies makes you cry, brings tears it to does. It Are you really, all right? It truly does bring tears to my eye. Yeah, I'm making it through, but just the thought of my first time seeing Fast and Furious is making me tears well up over here. <laughs> is it allergies? You all right? Something like that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. making it through. Right. And, and that's it. It's the nostalgia, you know. That's what keeps these things going. There's a people. There's two it groups. Is. Two groups of people, the OGs, I, I, I just put everybody in that group. If they were young and, and uh, impressionable and getting into cars at that time, we remember what the first movie was. It was special, right? It had the proper sound effects. But up until then, they were using V8 sounds for import cars. They weren't showing accurate cars. Uh, they, they were ricing everything out even more than Fast and Furious did, all that stuff. And then Too Fast, Too Furious came out and there were some good cars in there. And then Tokyo Drift, which was my favorite of, the, of those early movies, that was the most authentic, realistically speaking. And that's great. And now there's everything else. Fast forward through seven or eight and nine's coming up. It's a heist movie. So there's the OGs who love the old movies and won't watch the new stuff. And there's other people who say, I just like it because cars get blown up. 
yeah. And cars are flying now. Yeah, right? flying. Yeah. They're going into space for Fast Nine. They are literally going into space. <laughs> oh man! Seriously. Well, that's how are you going to up? You know, eight and you know seven. It just has to. The stakes have to get higher and higher. I mean, well, the, and, and the, uh, star, the mood, right? Yeah, and the star power has just increased too, right? With, oh yeah. You get Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, uh, Charlize Theron. You know, I mean amazing and then what like the original had you know still had vin and paul and uh, was it devon Holke in the in the original or she, had... she was in no, two. Devin she was two. two okay yeah so she as you know is the, the daughter of uh yeah rocky rocky, rocky, rocky yeah. okay and yeah sister of... and uh you know and i think sister of uh of uh the uh, dj dj yeah steve yeah so, steve yeah. so yeah so great. craig um did paul already own an r 34 GTR when the movie came out? I know uh, I, I, I know you took him to Motorex, right? You, yeah, you so, actually brought him to Motorex. Yeah, so Paul was going to buy the black R34 and he drove it for a few months. There was a guy who did a video with him. I forget his name, Mark Fernandez. I forget the name of the, the company that did it. It was a young DVD company. And he sat in bleachers and Paul was talking about this black R34. Paul gave it back to them because I think he said it had some paintwork on the car. I forget what it was. Sean Morris might remember. Yeah. But then I wind up buying that car. So I had both the cars at the same time, the Orange Super and the R34. I and I never, I didn't think they were going to make a, a sequel because like I said, this thing was going straight to VHS. Right. No one, yeah, no one dreamt that. So it yeah. At the time I was doing, I was an import market tuner consultant for Meguiar's uh, car mm -hmm. wax company. Yeah. So I was going to turn that car into a showpiece, right? So I built it blue and I did the signal auto uh, livery on the side of yeah. it. And then we want to do something crazy because it was one of the first R34s in the United States, to my knowledge, legally. And I just wanted to get crazy with it. And so blue is kind of my thing in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> and so we painted the car blue and I just went crazy with it. Uh, did the three nitrous bottles in the car and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of vinyl, you know, the decal all the stuff that went up on the mm -hmm. side of the car. It was all for shows and for magazines. I was trying to get magazine covers. I was working for uh, Peterson Publishing back then at uh, a spinoff of Super Street, which, which was a Naira drag racing series. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there were so many decals on the car. And then uh, when I was all done doing my overseas marketing for Universal and the uh, DVD release and all that kind of stuff, about a month later, I get a phone call from my own, bo own boss. He says, hey, get down here. Get down to where? Santa Monica. We're going to make another movie. Uh, what's it called? <laughs> Too Fast, Too Furious. You're making another Fast and Furious movie? Yeah, you'll like this one. Vin isn't in it. <laughs> what the hell is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I get up there and uh, we start the same conversation again. I get up on the grease board. And I said, okay, here's the, here's the food chain of cool Japanese cars. At the top of the list, it's got to be an R34, R33, R32. Yeah. Well, we don't even know what that looks like. Well, I just happen to have one parked right out in the, in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. uh, cue the mass exodus to the parking lot. Great, we'll take it. I didn't offer it up. I just said, this is what it looks like. <laughs> well, just, we're going to rent that. Can we get some more? So yeah, so we had to buy them from Motorex. Mm -hmm. Now that story was great. Uh, they wanted, we paid $48,000 each for the cars, okay? plus 13 grand to airfare each one of them. And in, in normal hero style, Hero Nanayosha from uh, Motorex, communication was not great. Yeah, yeah. So at some point uh, I had to get on the phone and say, look, my next phone call is to Universal's uh, legal team. And mm -hmm. they got a bunch of New York lawyers sitting around ready to tear you apart. So we just need to get the straight answer. 
but he came through. He got us the cars, and those cars were forty-eight grand, and then we turned them into Fast and Furious cars, two, the two Fast and Furious. So those were the real early, earlier cars that came in. And do you know what happened to those cars? Yep, uh, one is still sitting at Universal's lot here in Hollywood, California. Oh, the wow. yellow car, which actually came from Andy at Middlehurst Nissan in Great Britain, that car was uh, gutted, roll caged, and turned into the jump car. That car was sold to a guy in Seattle. He had it in Seattle for a while. I heard it went to Louisiana, but then I heard that that's not the case. So mm -hmm. that car is missing. Okay. The My actual car that I sold to a person who then in turn sold it to another person is now black, doesn't look anything like the movie car, and is sitting on the East Coast in a private collection. And mm. the guy doesn't want any press, doesn't want any publicity, doesn't want to talk about the car. They're fighting for him. Mm. Um, they, he thinks the car is worth a million and a half, so he's just kind of sitting on it. So. Craig, is that the car behind you? That car? Was yes, the car. Mm, okay. it, went, uh -huh. it went black, mm -hmm. blue, silver. The day I got it home from Universal in Florida, stripped it to bare metal, painted it back to blue, got sold about, I don't remember, four or six months later, and then got turned back to black. You guys bought that car for $48,000. That means you no, guys... What? I bought that car for seventy-eight. Oh, no, not that one. The uh, the Universal ones, right? Yeah. The, uh, yeah or the other ones. $48,000. That sounds kind of cheap. They weren't federalized. Uh, okay, so you just mm. paid whatever they were going for in Japan and then paid the shipping or whatever on yeah, top of that. So I see. There's, okay. there's a video on my YouTube channel. I actually show the piece of paper, the receipt, mm -hmm. you know, the invoice for 48000 for the cars. I actually show mm -hmm. the, pay, the check, which was $192,000 and some change. Mm -hmm. The actual canceled check from Universal. <laughs> Oh. Still had that in the filing cabinet. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the video. I posted copies of it. Oh, we're, yeah, so, we can find that video on YouTube. What, what should we put in? Yeah. Um, to, Sam, give me a moment and I'll let you oh, know. Okay. James yeah. is our technical guy. So uh, it was how a neon, it was how the story was how a Dodge Neon SRT4 was almost the main car in Too Fast, Too Furious. That's oh. one of your most watched, uh, one of your probably your, one of your most watched videos, right? I remember watching some, that video. Yeah, I think it's a million and something views. Ooh. Yeah. Scroll something down. It'll be from Fast and Furious 2 in the, the playlist for Fast and Furious 2. So what was the process of like selecting the cars to get into, uh, well, your car was like, okay, it's it's Craig's, let's put it in the, sh in the show, but how about the other cars? How, what was the like the selection process? Okay, so uh, when I was up there for the audition with the, with the car audition, which I didn't know was a car audition, I was brought upstairs into a production office that was Rob's office, the, the director's office. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, can you kind of talk us through what kind of, uh, it's not, you won't find it there. If you're on my website, you won't find it there. I haven't posted there. It's just on my YouTube. You just have to click on the playlist for Too Fast, Too Furious. Okay. Anyway, and you'll see it in there. Um, so they get me in the office and they said, okay, we, we want to do some cars here that are authentic to the world, you know, and of course I knew about 240SXs, uh, 180s, uh, SW, I mean, MR2s, which I really liked, um, you know, Hachirokus, mm. all, all 300ZX, just the same thing, that the food chain is the food chain and has been for 30 years, you know, yeah. GTRs, NSXs, Supras, FDs, uh, Z32, 300ZXs, and you just go down the list. Mm -hmm. You know, after a while, you start to run out of cars unless you're going to go old school stuff. Yeah. So we were looking at, you know, S140 and S160 Lexus GS sedans. We we're looking at Honda Preludes. Um, even, we even got down to Honda Accords at, at one point. Mm 
but they were clear just the cars you see normally at hot import nights and um you know at the street races but not domestic sport compact cars right because right. in southern california as you probably remember the escorts didn't take off here in the 80s the the zx2s didn't take off mm -hmm. the focuses didn't take off the cavaliers the sunfires and all that they just weren't popular or hot here in Southern California. That's all East Coast stuff. Mm, yeah. So we kept those cars out. So I just made the recommendations and they said, okay, this is the list from which we can work. Mm. Now we need to see some examples of this. And at the time it was very difficult because we just had MySpace and the automotive forms. Mm -hmm. Now, back then I was on a lot of automotive forms because I had gone through quite a few cars at that point. I always use my real name thinking to myself that I just don't want to be one of those keyboard commandos who hides behind the keyboard. I just, I am, I'm going to put it out there. This is, this is, you know, and so I said, okay, we're looking for this uh, Honda Civics and DC2 Integras for this movie called Red Line. Hey, blah, 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 blah. You know, all these people kind of complaining, but the people who took it seriously don't regret. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they showed up with their cars and the, the directors, producers, and the, the production team, they're walking around looking at the cars and they're looking for flashy wild body kits, big wings, decals, if they could pull it off. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way it went. And they, once they had something in mind, we'd go upstairs, they'd take pictures, we'd put them up on the wall and we'd say, what about this one? What about this one? And what about this one? And that's the way it went. That's the way it went for Fast One. For a Too Fast, Too Furious, it was a little easier because we used all of the cars that we had left over from Fast and Furious One. Mm -hmm. We shipped them to Florida and repainted them. I see. All the Eclipses were reused, all the Supras were reused, the RX-7s, the, the Honda Civic, everything, repainted, reused. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought those were fresh cars, but no, nope. those were not and fresh cars. Those were car, but this car, this movie went off on another tangent. Uh, we actually bought some Acura NSXs for this movie, and that one of them got turned into that Tejmobile with the chrome Giovannas and a Louis Vuitton paint job. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you had Mitsubishi as a like a sponsor for for that for that movie too, didn't you? Yes, we did. So what happened when it originally was Dodge was gonna be the sponsor and they wanted to use the Neon SRT4 instead of the GTR. They said, mm -hmm. we wanna make this the hero car. Oh, this, is, this is the car Paul Walker's <laughs> gonna, and in the video, I tell the story it goes like this. I'm in a meeting with John Singleton. I love the guy, he's a, uh, the guy, the director who just passed like this. Yeah, year, right? yeah rest yeah. his soul. So yeah. I'm sitting in there with like 20 people from Universal, vice president in the studio, John Singleton sitting two seats down, my boss, my boss's boss, and a bunch of other people. And across the way is the, the product placement team from Universal sitting across this desk. Okay, so we've got this fabulous arrangement with Dodge. What they've agreed to do is bring in this Dodge Neon SRT4. It's so hot, it's not even out yet. And we're going to make this Paul's main car for the whole movie. And I'm writhing in my seat. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie, The Hunt for Red October? Yeah, loved yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin is sitting there and he's writhing in his seat and he starts chewing out the general and James Earl Jones reach over and grabs by him, grabs yeah, by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what happened? Shut up. That's, <laughs> that's what my boss's boss did. And, and, and I, I said, well, Singleton sees me writhing. He goes, Lieberman, you got something to say? I said, no, sir, I'll wait my turn. He goes, no, no, it's okay. You can speak your mind. I said, that's, that's, I, I can wait. We can go around the room. He says, look, I don't want no booty ass shit in my movie. If this is booty ass, I need to know right now. And I, I lean back like, I don't know what got it's in the booty movie. Ass. I don't know what got it. I lean back like Tony Soprano and I went, well, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. 
And Melissa Crow, God love her, she goes, are you telling us that we should turn down a multi-million dollar deal with Dodge? I said, no, I'm telling you that uh, I was hired to bring in another, a higher level of authenticity than even the first film. And I'm telling you that if you put a rental car in here, because everybody knows the Dodge Neon is a throwaway rental car. The SRT has no reputation. Nobody knows anything about the car, yada, yada, yada. If you make that car the main car of the movie, then, you know, you're, you're looking at a disaster. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to be good. I said, now you could start off with that car. Like he goes and buys that car because it's brand new on the lot. And then it quickly gets wrecked. I'm totally in support of that. Anything beyond that, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I, well, Dodge will never go with that. I'm just giving you my opinion. So they had their discussion. Afterwards, everybody leaves the room. Scott Stuber holds me. I didn't say this in the video, but Scott Stuber holds me back. He said, would you mind staying behind? It was just like the hunt for Red October, which I don't think <laughs> I had seen at that point. But Great he movie. goes... He goes, you know, I appreciate you speaking your mind, but there's larger considerations here. And I said, I realize that I know this much of the picture, not mm -hmm. this much of the picture. If you, mm -hmm. you know, I've signed a, an NDA confidentially agree, confidentiality agreement. If you want me to talk about, in, you know, in open form, I will do it. If you just want to hear it from me directly, I'll be happy to do that to you. He goes, look, this movie is going to be a $1 billion franchise within 10 years. And I laughed. <laughs> Because we had just come off a of part one and a movie made $211 million. I'm like, you're far fucking away from that. Mm -hmm. So I just figured that, you know, maybe he was dreaming, but turns out he's a lot smarter than I was. Yeah, he had, yeah, he had a vision. So he had, he definitely had a vision. And I just looked at it from a person, you know, with blinders on like, it's not really real, but that doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Behind interesting. closed doors, the things that happen. But it, it seemed like John John Singleton uh, sought your way at the end, didn't he? John was amazing to work with. You know, the, the, the producers, my understanding is that when you bring in a director and the production team, they bring in their team, the people they're used to working with. John had worked mm -hmm. on many movies, you know, so I'm sure a lot of these guys came over with him from Boys in the Hood and all that kind of stuff. Right. So they already had these bonded relationships, which worked very well. And so to bring in an outsider like me, because face it, I'm nobody. They could have hired any one of 10,000 people in the tuner market to do that job and do it just as well, if not better. So I was always you know, grateful to be with these people, working with these people. He listened. Mm -hmm. He had, I watched firsthand him dance around with some of the actors like Tyrese. Uh, Tyrese is a very outspoken fellow. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he saw the purple eclipse, this, the eclipse was originally purple with yellow interior. I remember that car. Right. Yeah, and he said to me, oh, hell no, I'm not driving no Lakers car. Now, we had spent, <laughs> we spent uh, maybe he was a Knicks fan, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we spent $40,000 doing the interiors on that. And then John came to us, closed the door and said, rip it all out, do it something different. <laughs> okay, so we sent him to this little tiny uh, upholstery shop in a strip mall in South Florida run by a granddad and the daughter or granddaughter or whatever. And we said, we need four of these interiors, including the dashes completely redone from yellow to gray. And we need them on Monday. And this okay. was what, this was what Friday night. <laughs> it was late in the week shamrock auto. They still have it up on their Instagram, but uh, it happened of just watching these productions move. It's like a military operation. It's like desert storm. They get yeah. everything they need right where they need it, right on time, no matter what it costs. Wow, wow. And do, do you feel like, um, let's, let's talk about some of the actors since you're, you're, you're talking about. So um, I've met Paul before and, you know, when I met him, it was, you know, way after these movies. 
Um, so he was already, he's already owned his GTRs. He was already racing. Um, what was he like at the beginning when, when you first met him? He was like a kid at the candy shop, you know, it was all new to him. When I met him and he already had a 66 Chevy too. Uh, so he did know something about cars. He was getting into cars. He was always cars, uh, surfing and guns, not in that order, but that's what was his jam. You know, <laughs> for a long time, he lived in a motor home that he just parked by the beach. He didn't even have a house, even mm. though he's got family up, up the coast. Yeah. But you know, he was a sponge. He's, there's great pictures of him on set of the first movie talking to Sean Morris over the back yeah. end of an R32. You've probably seen those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took him for a ride. Too. I took him for a ride in a Supra and, yeah. uh, he loved it. Um, so he was all about us. So he was starting to learn he was a sponge. And as he, you know, was able to spend more money on cars, his, uh, you know, uh, taste changed and kind of honed in. He was a big BMW guy. He liked the lightweight BMW E36s. Mm -hmm. And um, his Mustang guy liked uh, uh, Nissan 370Zs. He had a couple of them over the years. Um, I have a mutual friend who knows him really, really well, uh, Daryl Allison, who lives over here not far from me. Mm -hmm. um, but Daryl was a, care, a caretaker of his cars for years way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were friends right up until the end. They used to text each other all the time. But his, when I saw him on Too Fast, Too Furious, he was leaning up some cars. And I walked up to him to check on the cars down in Miami because we were all living down there for four months. Mm -hmm. And I said, so you're back. And he goes, yep. They keep, wanting to think it, they keep thinking I'm an actor. So as long <laughs> as cars, guns, and, or surfing in it, I'm in. <laughs> and he says, uh, what are you doing on this picture? I said, they got one of my cars here. He says, which one? GTR. Because that's your car? I said, you let them use your car? I said, I know you weren't going to let them use your car. <laughs> I didn't even know he had actually finished a purchase on another car. Because he went through like three R34s. The black mm -hmm. one, then he had a, uh, a silver one that he got rid of. And then got the white one, which had the Tomei motor and all that. Right, stuff. right, right. The silver one that he got rid of, I think, is the one that we talked about with Sean went to Hawaii and then came back and it's it's back at Sean's shop again now just got sold just got sold though yeah exactly yeah it's if you go to Instagram 458 destroyer it's in his hands mm. and he's in Atlanta I believe I see so yeah. Craig uh, what about Vin Diesel why were uh, they uh, they saying uh, um, kind of uh, bad things about Vin, D Vin Diesel to you was it did something happen not to me. No, no, no. My, I had only a couple of experiences with Vin Diesel. Oh, okay. One was that, I said because they said Vin Diesel's not in it. So you're, you'll be happy. Oh, I don't, I don't know the politics of what was going on. I mean, all I, oh, okay. all I know is what I read in the, in the journals was like, you know, Vin Diesel wanted a piece of the picture. You got to, so the, people don't understand the history that after Fast and Furious came out, Rob Cohen hits his wagon to the star, which was the rising star, which was Vin Diesel. Mm -hmm. Vin Diesel was purported to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was on a, a career trajectory that mirrored pretty much Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. um, so he went off to do Triple X, which was filmed over right. in Eastern Europe. And then yeah. he did Riddick, you know, Pitch Black right. and Chronicles of Riddick. And then the... Uh, the, kid, the daddy daycare or whatever that was, kindergarten, yeah. college, I don't know, remember what it was. Right. But and the, the only movie I ever saw him, walk, saw him in was Boiler Room, which I thought was spectacular. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. remember that movie? If you haven't mm -hmm. seen it, you should. Wait, wait is, it the, uh, is it the stock market one? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, with Ben Affleck, I think it was. He's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a great okay. movie. It's a great movie. I think it was a true, it was so, based on true events. I Living in Southern California, we see movie stars all the time, right? Especially the closer you are to LA. Or I, I'm not one of those people who gives two turds about stars or getting autographs. It's just never been, I don't know why I just never got that gene. 
So seeing Vin, the next time I saw Vin after the movie was, you know, the, the, the premieres and all that stuff. But I saw him at the press junket for five days. Press junket, they brought out all the stars, gave them one street where all the press comes in. And somehow RJ DeVeron and I got roped into that. So they, you know, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, da, 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 Craig Lieberman, who? RJ DeVera, who? But, but I saw him at lunch. It's it just weird. It was surreal. Nobody, nobody. So Vin comes out of his trailer one day with this other guy, big kind of burly kind of dude. And he's got this cute little puppy. I forget what it was, but it was a purebred. And he's walking with his purebred. Somehow we got on the topic of biceps. He's like, hey, man, you want to feel some biceps? His buddy's <laughs> like, hey, you want to, I'll show you some biceps. You want to feel biceps? I said, gentlemen, I'm good with the feeling of the biceps. <laughs> Thank you very much for the offer. But those guys were, they were, they were just, they were having fun on set. It was a great thing. And then I, I didn't get to see him on two. So my whole soul experience was with uh, him on one. And then Tokyo Drift, he wasn't a part of it. So. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chris, what about uh, my favorite, uh, Ja Rule? What was he like in his Honda? <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. <laughs> yep. Did you ever see any Cheeching Chong movie ever? Yes. Oh, yeah. Up and so you remember, do you remember Race Wars? Yes. Do you remember when they came outside of the, uh, the Airstream trailer? Yes. That was after fumigating it. <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's just say that these fellows had uh you know they bring their little entourage with them and so where their closest friends and whatnot or agents whatever they do i don't know what hollywood people do but let's just say there was a distinct odor in the air that wasn't potpourri <laughs> always coming around that trailer huh he he was cool he was very cool you know he was he was nice to people chad Lindbergh, i i saw him on set talk very briefly about cars and so forth and just ask some basic questions that was that I didn't see him again until Montreal 2018 when we were both asked to appear at a car show up there at uh, some beautiful racetrack in up in Montreal and he comes up to me he goes man can you believe they're still talking about this 20 years later I said yeah they're just like my wife any mistake I made 20 years ago she's still talking <laughs> about it today hopefully your wife won't watch this podcast or you're going to be no, I, she, everything i say about her a joke she's a wonderful lady wonderful woman. uh craig uh can you get into uh things you've done apart from uh fast and furious or post fast and furious and stuff you're up to uh, these days okay well today i run a digital uh marketing company right i've got two partners that work in other divisions but uh, we're doing you know websites pay-per-click and all that kind of stuff but in the interim i after fast and furious Two and the small role I had in Tokyo Drift, which was finding cars for the parking lot scene. I was working mm -hmm. for Magnaflow for six years mm -hmm. as okay. global uh, global marketing director. Uh, and from there, I was doing work, uh, consul counseling work for a group called Advanced Star, which was doing trade publications. From there, I was doing contracted work for JD Powers, basically contracted to different automotive manufacturers, doing presentations at car dealerships, um, you know, talking about the new vehicles that are coming out and doing ride drives, going out and training the sales force and all that, and mm. then turned into QC audits um, for JD Powers, going out looking at the dealership, their sales practices, their, their intake process, their service practices, and all that kind of stuff. And so I did that for God, five or six years, um, and that was kind of on the side kind of thing. Uh, so it was only you know thirty about thirty travel days a year. And then that kind of thing. So the more than 600 dealers eventually got audited by this group. Oh, wow. It was, it was a good thing. It was helping to, to improve the process. So I got to see the inside of how BMW dealers work, Lexus mm -hmm. dealers work, Mercedes dealers, Honda, Ford, and I want to say Toyota, but that was really car launch stuff. Mm. 
So then, in the you know, while I was still doing digital marketing stuff, I decided to uh, start doing website design and all that kind of stuff, and it just blossomed into what it is. So we do we have a lot of clients. Some are automotive, some are like hair care, some are furniture. So that keeps us busy. And then I do the YouTube channel stuff. Yeah, your YouTube channel is awesome. When when did you start that though? Uh, March or May 1st, 2018. And I only know that because I look back, I just got my 100,000 subscriber plaque. Oh, uh, nice. Oh, so congratulations. Like, Congrats. Thank you. So it's up to about 130 something subscribers. Yeah, 135. Yeah. That's awesome. It's going along. I'm a one person show. I learned uh, editing back when I was doing a fun project for Playboy TV. Actually, in that 2006, 2007, actually it was longer than 2006 to 2010 i I did a show called bikini driving school for uh uh yeah next next new network right yeah fast lane daily fast lane daily yeah yeah 16 episodes of uh bikini driving school (laughs) i remember that (laughs) girls driving high-end cars in a bikini what'd your wife think of that uh she was (laughs) the one who got the girls (laughs) oh really oh well yeah it was okay so it was it was all on the up and up you know she kept I, I an eye leave. on you yeah no she's not, nothing like that <laughs> it, it, i never i never as a 40 year old guy I was never attracted to 20 year old girls it just i don't know what maybe having a british stepmom did some damage <laughs> to me in a good way but it just wasn't my just wasn't my jam but i had young crew who were you know that that blossomed into a call from playboy tv hey we want you to do a show for us I said, nobody wants to see me naked, not even my wife. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. <laughs> it's a kind of show. We saw your bikini driving school. Let's talk about an idea. So I go down in their office and uh, Media Center Drive in LA. And they asked me, you know, what can you do? I said, well, if I'm going to do a car, a show with, with uh, girls, I want to do cars, but I don't want it to do just show, you know, cars and girls. He goes, well, what else do you have? I said, how about action sports? How about the girls are empowered? They go do the action sports that men do, but they do them really, really well. And it, it surprises everybody because they're stereotypical. Of course, they're uh, beautiful. That goes without saying. But let's empower them. Sounds great. Here's your contract. You got 16 episodes. Go. So I put together. One of them was we're shooting machine guns in the desert. One of them was uh, driving dune buggy sand rails. One of them was doing fighter planes, you know, air combat USA. Uh-huh. Where you get in these Marchettis, wow. these side by side things, and they're doing, you know, you know, split S's and right, uh, you know, high yo yo's, low low, all kinds of stuff. What I didn't realize was it was Playboy TV, so they wouldn't be scanty, scantily clad, they'd be naked. In the, <laughs> they did in all this fighter jets, really? It, they did it naked. The fighter jets, oh. they had to wear a jumpsuit, but it was unzipped down to uh, God's yeah. green earth. So. <laughs> uh, what, when, when was this? What year was this? I have the footage. There was a great one when we did ultralights. Ultralights are like hang, are, are like hang gliders with engines, right? Mm-hmm. So we were out by Port, right. Port Wanimi in uh, Southern California. I don't know right. if you know that. Right? It's a Navy base, right? Right. So this, this guy we hired to be the pilot f- for these girls, he is real good friends with people at the Navy base. The girls were naked for this. Oh, literally in a hang those navy when, guys <laughs> when they went by the tower at port warnimi he kicked a bunch of hard right rudder which pitches the nose to the right 
and he gave everybody standing out there on the tower a full frontal shot of this naked girl. <laughs> that's that's precision piloting, man. I tell you. Oh, he he lands he lands the ultra glider, and his partner comes running out of the hangar. Goes, you got a phone call from Colonel So and So. I mean, uh, Commander So and So. And he says, "Hook up goes in there." Oh, oh we lost your video, Craig. Sorry, somebody ca called in. I didn't have it on D and D, so. Um, so anyway, that was a conversation, but it was 16 shows or 16 episodes within 16 shows, 16 segments within 16 shows. So it was girls driving race cars and all that. It was Wait, fun. When was this? This was like 2010. 2010, okay. Wow, that's awesome. That's like uh, the top, top, uh, what's that? Uh, top Gun scene or, you know, flyby. <laughs> it, it, it was, <laughs> it sounded really cool. I went up to Playboy to audition the girls and they have, a Playboy representative male and a Playboy representative female, and the girls. I thought I was just going to look at girls. It's not that you're sitting, you're sitting in um, a, a director's chair, and these girls come out to read their lines naked. And I look over at the girl and I said, "Do they know they don't have to be naked?" And she <laughs> says, "No, they have to be naked." <laughs> so the the first four hours of the job, I'm like, fast. I was like, these things come in different sizes. I thought that were all pretty much the. the the same kind of Not, nothing's going in my ear i can't hear anything <laughs> yeah i just i just it's just good 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 i have to say craig you know as much as i envy you and you know uh, respect your work on fast and the furious this one really makes me want me jealous i thought, I thought you had a, <laughs> the best job on fast and the furious yeah this uh, one is the job <laughs> now now i'm i'm jealous <laughs> i have pictures <laughs> Uh, you know, it sounds. That's you. That's know, not you. me. Is that me? Oh, this is this oh, is. Do, okay. do you remember this scene? I gotta pull this up closer. Hang on. Carl, you look pretty young in that. Yeah, shot. this is from um, this is from Fast and the Furious, the um, the Koreatown uh, scene. This is, I think, three or four. This was Tokyo Drift. No, is it? No, there's a Ford GT in the back there's a Ford GT. There's an Evo. It'd have to be after that. So the, the GT came out in 2005, so it'd have to yeah. be after that. So. I think it's three or four. So they had the scene. Well, three, well, three was Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three. So it's got to be four more, then. More importantly, though, Tara, how have you not aged since then? Oh, no, nah, he looks pretty young there. I look pretty young here. He so young this is our GT Channel 350Z that was in the movie. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so we. Are you we guys brought, own that? GT Channel own that? Yeah, yeah, oh, we still have it. This this became really? Dai's Dai's um, drift car in the Middle East, and he also did a uh, um, time attack event in this car too. Mm, okay. Where's the car now? Yeah, good question. It it's in the shop. This is the one that uh, the Z that it's been in the shop for about I don't know since then probably. Does it not run? It runs. It runs. This is this is the one, Sam, that I wanted Tara to sell to me when I so I could sell my. Oh, this career. is the one you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. 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 So well, we brought. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so we brought this car. Uh, this was a SEMA car. Um, this was in the Nissan booth, and we brought this car and the Mines uh, R35 GTR. That the R35 just came out and Mines built one, so we we brought it to the uh, uh, to the shoot. This is when yeah. I first met Paul. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dennis McCarthy been, was the guy, yeah, uh, by that time. 2007, 2008 then, so it had to be yeah. four or five. Four, because mm -hmm. five was in 2010, so it was four. I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I have an R35 too right now. That's my jam. Is that your uh, daily car, daily driver? Yep, my wife's got an Audi S3. She's a Porsche gal. She's this little four foot, 10 and a half Vietnamese girl, mm -hmm. right? But she doesn't speak any Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she doesn't cook um, it either. But you have an R35. Well, is that your uh, only car right now? Or do you have a do you have a nice collection? Of nope, done with the collection. Are you? I'm completely over it. Completely over it. It's just Downsizing. too much. I just, it's not worth it anymore. You can't, you can only drive one at a time. You know, the. Oh, yeah, and you need to store it. You need, you know, I mean, you need a place to put it. I mean, I, I hear you, man. I've I been through 43 cars in my life. I've had two Diablos, Porsches, M3s, 1,000 horsepower Supra, movie cars, all the bullshit and all that. Kind of, I'm over it. I've done everything I wanted to do. <laughs> it, it's like, it's just like. Tell me how you really feel, man. <laughs> it, it's just, you know, it's like living in a small town and you dated, you've already dated all the nice women. It's time to move on to another town and explore it. Okay, but I hate to I hate to I hate to follow up this question with you. But if I took that R thirty five away from you, what car would you be in the market for? Uh, McLaren something or other, probably. Ooh, okay. Oh. Yeah, McLaren seven twenty or six fifty LT or something like that. Won some points with James there. James a McLaren guy. So, uh, what, do what, oh, the, uh, oh, so what do you think about the? Oh, so what do you think about the? Uh, 25 year old rule coming to uh, almost the R34 in a couple of years now. We have two more years, I think we have until the yeah. R34 becomes legal. Three, yeah, the three, yeah, the three, 2024. Well, we all know why the 25 year rule was made. Sam's, you all probably have a really good idea why that came into play. I think the values are going to go up. You know, it's supply and demand. You know, there, there was only what, what uh, 11,100 and something GTRs ever made or 12,134 GTRs ever made. And you got to figure, you know, at least 15 or 20 percent have been crashed, burned, stolen, chopped up, you know, gutted for parts, turned into race cars and all that. That leaves 9000 or so to satisfy the entire pent up demand for 25 years throughout the world, not including mm -hmm. Australia or Japan or, or Great Britain, where they already sell those cars. Yeah. So we're seeing the prices go up. I mean, it's no surprise. These cars are a buck 50 for anything halfway decent. Mm -hmm. And if. You know, these cars, then you're going to start getting the roaches because everybody in Japan was still smoking until yesterday. You know? <laughs> they still do. Still smoking in Japan. Still smoke. So there's cigarette burns in these cars and the cars yeah. smell like cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. I don't but, you know, that up. If you've, Sam, you've driven everything. Taro, you've dri driven everything. James, you've driven everything. Speaking objectively, I mean, seriously, objectively, it was a great car for its time. It's pretty good, but it's no better than an Evo 10 or an Evo 9. What, the R34? Yeah. I don't know, man. I like the M-Spec. When I drove the M-Spec, I go, yeah, this is this is, this is is a really special car. I thought this was really good. And yeah, I, I liked it better than the Evo back then. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just because it went straighter. It, it, it tracked better. It felt a little more complete. And I, I love the Evo. And, you know, Hiroshi Fuji, he was a great friend of mine who's the guy who was in charge of the Evo 9 and Evo 10, I think he did a wonderful job in that car. But yeah, the R34 was, I think, a little, you know, just a little notch above me, you know? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I bought it because of the MFD, the big, that big fancy display on top of the dash, you know? I was like, that, that, that was, was the reason? <laughs> it, was one, it was one of them. It was uh -huh. definitely one of them, but it was, you know, the latest and the greatest. I, in my old days, I had several Datsuns. He's had a 260, I had three different T40s. Some with duals, some with triples, and you know. So I've always been a Nissan fan, always from the mm -hmm. from the get go. I've yeah, had many, many. So you know, Toyota really doesn't make anything of of uh, you know interest to me, except of course the new uh, A90 Supra. But uh, 
and I've had a couple of super stick. So the R35 I have compared to the R34, for obvious reasons, it's a completely different car. It's 20 years of technology. There are a lot better cars out now than the R34 for $150,000 is what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely. Sure. If you if you for look sure. at it that way, but R34, I think you if you're going if you're like a collector of if that's the car you want, you know, I mean, it's that nostalgia yeah. value, I think. But well, that's what yeah. brings up the value. But if you're and it's older, about, you know, like, it's an older car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, yeah. You know? I mean, Larry Chen was saying, sorry, Larry Chen was saying that they just raced his R32 GTR, you know, the Godzilla with a you know 2019 Maxima, and you barely won, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's unfair. Yeah. That's unfair. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's, come on. It's, you know, it's an older car, so I mean, you yeah. know, you, you got to take it for what it is. Hey, Craig, uh, bef- you know, before we, uh, uh, before I forget to ask you, what, do you, what did you think about the new Z, uh, the uh, prototype? Uh, from what I saw, I really liked it. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on the taillights. I get where they come from, the Z32 kind mm, of thing, right. That's which goes back with the two bars, goes back to the old 240 to the S30s, and I, I get it. If it's going to be 400 horsepower, I like it better. I, I, as I've told everybody else, if with the new A90 Super, if they had given us the FT1, okay, with that long hood, right? right the show those, car. Uh, yeah. yeah. And no BMW interior, you know, because mm-hmm. I hate that SciTech joystick they use in BMWs uh, for the gear shift lever. And I think given us the wraparound dash, I would have probably bought one. But mm. it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful car. It's just too small for me. Doesn't have the proportions I like, but maybe later on I'd buy it as a commuter. But I probably wouldn't do much to it. But the 400Z, I would buy it, and mod the hell out of it. I would love it. What would you mod? Well, you got to turn the boost up. Okay. Okay. Get you got to put. So you put, well, it's already got 400, as you you know, as you're alleging. But the GT already had 545 or whatever. You turn the boost up. You have to do it. Okay. TE 37s, brakes, all the usual stuff. Yeah, it's not going to have a veil side wide body fortune kit on it, though. No, you don't want to put a veil side thing. Uh, lots of decals like your R34 back there. My cars are devoid of decals. There's no markers for on you. My car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Taro saw uh, you haven't seen it in person, right, Greg? What's that? The three uh, the, the Z. I was supposed to go down there. Sean Lee had an invite for me, and then I guess I got kicked off the list, and he 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 uh, gave it to Sung. Kang. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, Taro, that's why you saw, you saw some there, right? Yeah, I, I saw some pictures, but it's yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say it looks better, right? It looks much better in person. Yeah, it looks much better in person. Yeah, than in the pictures. Impact. The pictures don't do, do it justice. Especially the first pictures that came out from, from Nissan were, were not that, you know, that great. The ones that Larry shot later in LA are beautiful, though. Oh, the ones like in the city, right? The, yeah. yeah, in the city. Yeah, yeah they're they're... They're awesome, but I, I would still tune it too. Um, just like you know, Craig, I would I would just do a little bit of uh, modifications. But it, the car looks way better in person than it does in, in pictures. Plus, it's a manual. What's what's to you know? Yeah, how can you dislike it? It's a manual. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's yeah. been. I mean, I keep telling my. I do an Instagram live weekly. A lot of my people are my followers are younger. You know, twelve to. 29 ish mm-hmm. and say so you guys if you guys want these cars you better start buying them up because with everybody going to electric we are living in the golden age of internal combustion engines and high horsepower cars this is it mm-hmm. the next 10 yeah. 15 years this is it yeah it is yeah. it, and, it is and, it. And, and i think the, these uh uh internal combustion engines are pretty much i mean they're clean i mean this is uh, you know we're getting the best of the best right now so yeah the best that we've ever right. had yeah, yeah. 
I grew up in 1985. My buddy had a GT Mustang, which was carbureted, right? It was 205 horsepower and it was light. It was nimble. It was a manual, right? And that it was great. And then in 1986, the Mustang came out with fuel injection. Everybody's saying, you know, the Eek 4 computer coming up. That's it. Computers for ECU. That's modifying is done. That's the end of the car world as we know it. I remember we saying that. <laughs> okay. And now here I am in 2020 when I bought this car in 2015. And I'm tuning my car with the Bluetooth module with a <laughs> phone that is more, uh, that has more power and capabilities than Captain Kirk's communicator <laughs> from the 1960s that they imagined for the future. And that's in less than 50 years. So I am never going to be a, a technology denier again. I embrace it everything. I'm totally wired. Uh, what do you think about There's the electric good... cars coming, uh, the electric cars? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the electric cars, I love to drive them um, because it's, you know, it's just a fast, fast, fast. I miss the engine noise. I was at uh, Barrett Jackson a year ago this week uh, talking to, I was doing a symposium for picture car guys talking about cars and movies. And I had Terry Lana there, stunt director of many, many films going back 50 years. A lot of car movies, including Tokyo Drift, Too Fast, Too Furious, and so forth. I said, so what's going to happen now when all these car movies and you got, it's all electric cars and it's going to sound like the Jetsons. He says, yeah. nope, we'll still dub engine noises into them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so you're going to put what, a, a, an LS3 and a Tesla, you know, in, in, the, in the recording and what are you, is that what you're going to do? That's what we have to do. That's what we got to do. I was like, oh God. So, I mean, that's like fast and not furious, you know, I mean. I'm more like slow and spurious. Well, the, they are quick, you said, right? So, yeah, one time, yeah, zero to yeah. 100, and then they got to recharge. Add the torque and stuff. So. And they can stay, still make, you know, futuristic uh, cars look cool in the future uh, sci-fi movies, though. You know, like... Um, oh, I think they But, Craig, you're right. You know, it's the sound. You know, I mean, uh, James might um, um, disagree with me, but what I find about Formula One, watching Formula One these days, you know, uh, as opposed to when I was watching them back back in the day where, you know, Nigel, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Senna, those, boy, those sounds, you know, those, uh, 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 the sounds of Formula One cars made were just, it was just music, right? It was just music to your ears. These cars don't sound as well. I mean, they, you know, they do give off the sound, but, you know, and then Formula E is just, and that, you know, I mean, I mean, the cars look awesome now, but so, but yeah, I, I, I miss the sound. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think sound is part of the that internal combustion you know the fifteen thousand rpm sound of the formula one cars I, I, I mean the ferraris how can you beat that you know you remember you know you live in southern california so long beach grand prix the old track the, the old track went, yeah yeah so turn nine was that that back straightaway so ngk the company i worked for for years um we had a suite on that corner right there and to hear the cars coming down that straightaway this mm -hmm. is the mario andretti days michael andretti days yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul Tracy. There was yeah. nothing like that. It's never been as awesome. Yeah, the cars today are better, of course, but I miss the sound. Yeah, I miss the sound. Yeah, me too. So, so hopefully, I mean, what do you think, Craig? Do you think um, uh, um, um, uh, internal combustion cars will be completely gone at some point in the near or somewhat near future? I mean, it seems like everyone's just going to be all electric. That's what they're saying. But well, are they going to are they going to be absolutely gone in like ten years? You guys, no. You guys are smarter than I am. You know, Sam. You you you, you know, I know a lot more about you than I, I do these other two gentlemen. But 
Oh, thank you. I didn't know. The the infrastructure is not there yet. Right now, there's no model that works where you pull up a, where everybody's driving Teslas and you pull up into a a gas station, it's been replaced with superchargers and you're going to wait 20 minutes or 40 minutes to charge your car. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. Probably won't happen in your lifetime. We will see more of it over the years, but it's just like people today, they're still driving around, you know, 1930s Duesenbergs, or if you want to be more recent, 1960s Mustangs and Chargers and Barracudas and all that. Another 50 years, if you stop selling gasoline cars tomorrow, there will still be gas stations and there'll still be some of those cars driving on the street 50 years from now. So that that goes beyond my lifespan. But eventually it's going to have to come until they start, you know, embedding chargers in, in the lanes on the highways, which... My prediction is that now that we realize that people don't need offices to work at, people start working at home more and companies will spend more money on automation and uh, keeping people working, uh, you know, mobile. And so that people will need to travel less in personal vehicles. And that's a good opportunity to slowly build the infrastructure in the United States and elsewhere for electric cars and decentralize the city, put people out to the suburbs repurpose cities for better housing and so forth and whatnot. That's not, that's going to take a few generations. I think if I had to guess, Mm, you know, in the last five years, there are a lot more, you know, because of Tesla too, mainly, but there are a lot more chargers, you know, access to chargers. So I, I, you know, I wonder if it'll take that long, you know, but as you said, the infrastructure still needs to catch up. Uh, And I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of a fuel cell guy too. You know, I love fuel cells. So Japan's uh, just, Japan, did they just say they're going to fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells? Well, well, the new Mirai uh, came out, uh, and it looks like a normal car now. And then also, um, to, to, uh, Akio Toyota, the president of Toyota, was just saying, hey, guys, you know, these EVs are all great. But, you know, I mean, the, the process of making electricity, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a polluting process. So, you know, maybe we should make the electricity through uh, fuel cells because there's really no no, no, no carbon or anything like that. And then charge our electric cars through that. And I go, yeah, you know, that really makes a lot of sense. The other thing is, if you know anything about uh, the Apollo missions, they used hydrogen fuel cells to get to the moon, right? That's right, in the 60s. Yeah, correct. A byproduct of hydrogen production is water. Water, right, absolutely. That water can be repurposed. Clean. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, you can water your plants with that. That was the best thing about the original Mirai, though, Sam, is that you could make the car do a little wee-wee when you press the button. And it, exactly. The it, the back. it releases the water. It does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, well, I'm kind of a fuel cell guy. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, you know. But, I mean, uh, EVs are great. But I think, you know, uh, these charging stations, like you said, Greg, I mean, they could be fuel cell stations, you know, that, that charge your EV. So you don't really need to drive a fuel cell vehicle. But you could have the fuel cell actually, you know, charge your EV. So, yeah, you know, I mean, but who knows? So I, I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. But uh, what do you think about this, Craig? We talked about this uh, last, a couple of weeks ago is the 240SX. Nissan might be thinking of bringing that back, but it'll be either parallel hybrid or maybe, maybe an even EV. Well, I know <laughs> that's a great question. So they bring back the 240SX and they emasculate it which mm-hmm. it, people would think, right? Uh-huh. If yeah. they bring it, to, first off, it would compete with the 400Z, I would think technically, because if, if they're gonna bring back a 240SX, that car's gonna be 35,000 bucks easy, right? It's gotta be, if it's a hybrid. If it's, if it's hybrid, it's gonna be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, people are gonna wanna go drifting with it as if, cause they're still, I don't know who drifts a, per, a car that they're still making payments on, but 
it probably wouldn't be a good platform for that. But if it comes out and it's true to, I mean, take a look at, you know, how Dodge is doing it. They're, they couldn't come up with new designs to compete with BMW and Cadillac. and that. So what do they do? They just redid the Charger. They just redid the Challenger. And yeah. so if they come out with a 240SX that is uh, a derivative, visually speaking, of the original 240s, um, I think it might be successful at the right price point. But everything's got to go hybrid because of car, I mean, uh, uh, CAFE, Corporate Average Fuel right. Economy. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So yep. we got what's what are we at now? We were at twenty nine and a half and we're going up to what or something like that. I, I haven't been. Stated. Well, uh, yeah. And then in California, you know, they're going to probably even do something more, more crazy. So, well, when I was a kid, I remember sitting in my dad's 1970, 1972 Pinto breathing exhaust fumes, which reminds me, since he owned a Pinto, I'm probably adopted because there's no way I came from his loins. Wow. Pinto. <laughs> yeah. So remember, uh, remember, you 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 get hit, you get hit. You in the blow back. up, right? Blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would have been okay with at one point, but uh, <laughs> please blow me up. <laughs> but I remember the skies were brown over LA. You're sitting on the a tree, a freeway in traffic, no air conditioning, and roll down windows. The struggle was real, man. And <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and and we were wondering why my sister always got sick when when we were in the car. I mean, you, know. you had a Pinto too. No, we weren't in a pinna. We were like, uh, I saw a picture of my dad. He, we used to have a Gran Torino, actually. No kidding. Yeah. That's kind, yeah. Of, a, that's kind of a nice car. Yeah, yeah. In, in New York. Yeah, when we were growing up. And, you know, but it was like the air would be terrible. Plus, you know, he used to smoke in the car, too. So oh. we're like, we're sitting in the back seat. you know, like my sister's getting sick. And like, we're always wondering why she's getting car sick. But it's like mm -hmm. now it's like so obvious, right? I mean, She's getting carcinogen uh, right. sickness is what she's getting. Right, right. So, Craig, when's your uh, next trip to Japan once, once things open? Uh, my wife and I really want to go. We've been doing a fair amount of travel. Uh, my son, who's now almost 30 this year, he's been through several drift cars and just bought a Hakone FRS and, of course, put TE37s on it. Oh, nice. on. He's, <laughs> he's not a ricer. He's a car guy. He didn't give a turd about cars until I brought home Fast and Furious cars. And then oh, when I had the super parked in the well, driveway and all the kids on the street, that 12 to 18-year-olds would come by the car, my son would start giving them tours of the cars. So we, <laughs> we want to go over there as a family trip over there and go do the Fujiyama thing. You know, I, I lived in Japan for a year when I worked for NGK. So mm, I got okay. to see part of the country. Japan is my favorite country in the world by far. Absolutely by far. As a matter of fact, I'm studying Japanese again. Oh, dirty oh, Japanese. Dirty. <laughs> Sorry, I meant this. Wrong one. There you go. There you go. Wrong book. Oh, yeah. Sorry, wrong book. <laughs> Sam can tutor you on the on the other one. No, no, on the I, on the Japanese for busy people, I guess. All you need to know is is a couple of words in Japanese. So 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 so. Aso desu ka? That's yeah, it. That's it. That's all you I, need. I, I, that's yeah, all yeah. you need. <laughs> that's it. But it's my it's my favorite country in the world, you know, spent a lot of time over there. Uh, there's just nothing like Japan. We definitely want to go, but we're gonna. It's gonna make a long trip. You gotta go to Kyoto and all that kind of stuff. But you guys uh, know. Speaking of Japan, then what favorite favorite Japanese car of all time for you? A favorite car. Not not one to own. Just say, hey, this you know this this car to me. This is it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it for these reasons, but you know I really like it, number one. And it could be uh, that R34 behind you because you know it, you have some. Now R34, I don't know. I don't even think the R34 would be the top five of my list, but probably. Wow! Really? Really? Yeah. Oh. You have so much history with that car. I I do. It was a play thing. It was like uh, it's like marrying the stripper that you've always had your eye on. Damn you! You, you and you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Craig, you're my kind of guy. <laughs> Definitely Sam's kind of guy. I, I, hate sure. using those, I hate using those analogies, but I know it's for our audience, everyone will understand. You get her home, you teach her how to cook, and then realize that she's a little more maintenance that you bargained for and that she doesn't really age very well compared to the newer models. God, right. I hope we don't have any female. <laughs> I know. Listeners. <laughs> I'm all talk, though. I've actually never actually been in a strip club except that one time in Japan, which was a hostess bar. But, but I got dragged, kicked and tripped. But Toyota, back to your question, Toyota 2000 GT, that's got to be up okay. there. Okay, great. Um, yeah. I'm still a huge fan of dots and Z's. If you give me a Geno's dots and Z, Ooh, yeah. okay. I'm, the I'm, I'm all about that. You're starting to see a, a theme there. After that, it's probably the Ken Mary oh, GTR. Yeah. GTR, right. Skyline. I actually like that better than the Hokoska, um, okay. but I do like the Hokoska. I was a big dots and 510 guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, triple S Bluebird would be nice. They, those, are, those are cars that I grew up with and I liked a lot. They're just, they're those are all awesome classic cars, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, the 2000 GT is kind of an uh, eternal car, you know, if you ask me. So, yeah. So, how about some awesome. of the newer, newer, uh, newer? Yeah, anything new? Like, well, you, uh, you talked about the, the Super a little R35, bit. But, you know, yeah, uh, R35, H, Hachiroku, the new one. Uh, God. The, the R35 would be at the top of the list. I mean, it's the best thing I've ever driven. Okay, I so still if like- they came to you, if they came to you today and said, "We're going to do Fast and the Furious," which cars would you, would you, you know, have the stars drive? Well, I get that question a lot, and I've had a lot of time to think about it. I'd still have mm. to go a lot of old school stuff. I would mix mm. in some of the new. Gotta have an, but I would want to do like these hardcore like jgtc replicas almost you know if you're going to oh, okay, use okay. fx i want it to yeah. look at like a jgtc car mm, that's right. what i would want without the mm-hmm. decals yeah but that uh, we call it a super a uh, super asia uh, gt series now or something like that, right yeah, super gt yeah super so GT, for all yeah. your listeners it's not, way the, too not old the current acura nsx we're talking about the old <laughs> NSX, yeah. oh god they haven't called that thing in about five years <laughs> yeah and then uh years, i want i want to I'd want to see a Hachiroko in their old school in 86. Old school 86, yeah. Yeah, I'd want them to finally use a proper 3000 GT VR4. Ooh, oh we, that car was ahead of its time. It was definitely ahead of its time, and it yeah. got totally ignored and reje- summarily mm-hmm. rejected in production meetings. Nope, we're not using it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's so, it was so good looking, and it sounded great because it had that enhanced muscle, you know, exhaust sound. The problem was, is when the cars that showed up at casting did not look good. We got the spider one that looks like a, a lowrider Euro. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the uh, top, uh, the, yeah, it was, uh, it just the vertical. It just didn't fit the bill, but okay. um, you know, then you got to do uh, some of the new cars. For the Japanese new cars, what do you got? The 370Z Nismo, 400Z if it were, if it were out already. I'd like to see a gangster style VIP, you know, not stance, but you know, a flush fitment GS. 400 mm-hmm. um some of that i mean just for the yakuza guys you know right? yeah, yeah 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 uh, mm-hmm. all black that kind of stuff those cars are missing it in the franchise the toyota century in there yeah, yeah. Craig, you got to get a toyota century in a if they ever come back to you get a toyota century in there <laughs> well if we're doing that we're going to do a sephiro right we got to do the same thing right yeah. Sephiro, yeah, or yeah. a jzx 100 right 
president, a Nissan president, a president. <laughs> slam, like slam. Yeah. yeah, president. I like the. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. we got, we've got to see all the cars that have been neglected and, and yeah. ignored in the franchise. Oh well, the VR forty, like you said, the three thousand GT for sure. Yeah, that deserves some screen time. For FTO sure. was was a cool looking car that we never got here. But it was the work. I, yeah, of course, it's that a little, little, little one, yeah. But that little one that kind of looks like a cross between a ZX2 and Opal Cadet. Yeah, or and an Alpha. It has a little Alpha. It, it was, I, that was like one of my favorite looking cars. You know, I thought that thing was awesome. Another one, 1977 Celica GT. 77? Which one was that? 77? That's a long time ago. The hatchback was the Japanese Mustang, it was called. Okay, I think I know okay. which one it is. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I know. I know which one you're talking about. Well, there's that, so, no, so many sellers, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the last good one they make. They didn't make anything good after that. I mean, they, were, they were all rubbish except the GT4. But yeah, the GT4 was awesome. Yeah, the GT4, nice, yeah. yeah. So, cool. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks, Craig, for your time. Uh, it's super interesting. Uh, had a great time. Um, you want to stick around? As we yeah, go I into our I also want to come out and see that Z in the garage. That the GT Channel Z is it in California? Oh. It, it is in California. It's way out in Corona, though. I haven't seen Way it. out in Corona? That's like 25 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's 25 minutes from where we are. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so far. I need to go see it, too. We, we hey, should make uh, a trip are, is it getting fixed? What's going on with that? No, it's just been like under the drapes for forever because no one's no one's using it. Why, why, why doesn't someone drive it? What a waste. That's why, Sam, that's why I keep asking him. Look, I know. I would keep asking him. Look, yeah. I'll buy it. I'll sell, yeah, I'll die, drive it. Why don't you have James drive it for a couple of no, no, it's it's not street legal. That's the problem. Oh, well, I don't ever tell anyone oh. that. Yeah, James will. Uh, uh, James, like full blown off wet, wet, wet roads. He'll he'll, he'll never get caught. <laughs> yeah. We're all we'll go, we'll go out. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll make a we'll make a tour, okay. uh, a driving track day out of that car one of these days. All right, so who's going to go first on the next segment? Uh, we're going to have Craig here, so we will ask his opinions on stuff, too. Let's, let's, let's go with James. We haven't heard from him. All right, James, what do you got for us today? All right, so my first one is, uh, let's see. So I'll just uh, I'll pull it up first, are and we then about, we... Are we doing the singer? Yeah, we'll do the singer first. Yeah. So I will bring it up first. And that just dropped, I think, two days ago, last yesterday or two days ago. So, yeah, Monday, I think. Oh, look at that thing. It looks like a 959, man. So Craig, there we go. The video so, on this car? We'll get to the video eventually, hopefully, um, as we pull it through. So this, as I'm now, I'm going to revert to my notes that I took ahead of it. So uh, singers, obviously, we know they're, they're rather pricey, one of those moments. Very but, pricey, uh, yeah. Uh, singers' motto is the relentless pursuit of excellence. And for this vehicle, they were looking to Porsche's rallying history um the 911 sc rs and the 959 and did you i was not aware of this sam but you might be aware of this that obviously you do is the what was the first race that porsche ever entered uh what do you mean uh off-road no just rally? race there yeah it was the 1965 monte carlo rally monte carlo oh, okay oh yeah I, so I, I didn't know that i thought yeah i i would have guessed it was one of the pair of cars because when i ran pair of car in 95 i think yeah, we had there was a nine five nine there. It was awesome, you know. It didn't yeah. win, but it, you know, but it was awesome. So the premise behind this is it's going to be a reimagined air cooled nine eleven as a world rally ch uh, championship inspired 
uh, all-terrain competition machine is the goal. Mm -hmm. So it's called the Porsche 911 modified by Singer for all-terrain use, all-terrain competition study. So it's rather that, mouthful. That's the name? Yeah, when it rolls off the tongue. Holy I mean, <laughs> um, okay. you get that, right? But, I would have called it like the 959 rally or something like that. Yeah, know, so okay. it is um, the, let's just call it the ACS to make it for short from now on. Right. So it's been undertaken by Singer in partnership with Rich, uh, with 911 rally specialist uh, Richard Tuttle. Right. Based out of the UK. Mm -hmm. um, with the idea that this car can compete in off-road racing uh, and demonstrate extensive all-terrain exploration. Um Richard Tuttle has had success in off-road racing. They've also been focused on the WRC and had many competition wins in the East Africa Safari Classic, which is uh, four wins. I think they've got in that in a 5,000 kilometer race. They've also had wow. success in the Paris Dakar. Um, Whose dog is I, that? That's not mine. Tara. Uh, there we go, Tara. <laughs> but uh, what I do like best about this is that the client decided, you know what? I don't just need one of these, but I need a second one that I can have to go with it. That's going to be a grip car in red. So the white one is the concept that they've been built, but they're also working on the red one, which is going to be still like this, but designed purely for grip events as opposed to purely off-road events. Okay. Wow. So when you say grip events, tarmac, right? Does race, exactly. Race yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and okay. I, Go ahead, Tom. Uh, I also heard that the guy is letting Singer uh, create more of these rally cars. So like as like a spec car, so other folks can buy this correct. car, right? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would want to buy one and just drive it around. I mean, well, I mean, it is it is uh, San Matani money. So it starts yeah. a basic Singer starts at about yeah. half a million pounds. This one expects to be, as a, they suggested, a, a little, a touch more than the average Singer price. But I think that the touch more of the average Singer price is maybe uh, three or so times the average Singer price. So we're talking, uh, what, a million and a half bucks? A million and a half pounds. Oh, so we're talking about $2 million. Yes. Whatever the exchange rate is, yeah. Yeah. So $2 million. Give, so to give you the idea, it's based on a 1964 Porsche 911. Okay. Um, it's had the core strength okay. in monocoque for heavy duty off-road use, carbon fiber panels suited to quick replacement, and easy underbody access. The engine is a, a 3.6 liter twin turbocharged air-cooled Porsche flat six, features water intercoolers with individual bank charges and coolers housed within the plenum and cooled by a clamshell mounted radiator. Um, once interesting note in those, as you see the interesting graphics there, that is a nod to the Rothman livery is what they're mm, going with yeah. there, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, it's at this moment in time, it's tuned for 450 horsepower and 420 pounds feet of torque, but they have- That's room. pretty nominal, you know, you would have thought- Well, that's the like base, that's, that's the base tune, mm -hmm. Sam, for testing at this point in time. Um, but as it says, it's tuned for the demands of each event. Ah, um, okay. It has a five-speed sequential dog box enabling flat shifting, manual and paddle shifters capable, uh, but it can be converted to a six-speed uh, sequential if need be for a higher top speed. And my mo mouth is watering. I mean, uh, check out the, the, the double dampers too. I mean. Dude, and it's uh, we're gonna get We're going to get there in a second. So it's yeah, front, double damper. Uh, permanent all-wheel drive, front, center, and rear mechanical plated limited slip differentials, specialized long travel suspension, 
uh, with twin five-way adjustable dampers per corner, eight dampeners in total to share the load. Wow. Uh, Four-piston monoblock steel disc brake with hydraulic handbrake. As we get into the more rally stuff now, long-range fuel tank. Look at the splitter on the front. Yeah, two full-size spare race wheels in the tires in the front and in the rear storage area. Uh, full FIA specification roll cage and seats. Comes with a rehydration system for driver and navigator. State-of-the-art <laughs> GPS and navigation system. Uh, it's conceived to be able to compete in almost all off-road events, such as the Dakar Rally and the Baja 1000. Um, and yeah. And that's going to give you the run of, of where we've got. And we're Look how to... clean the interior is. I mean, it's a race car, but it's, it's just so beautifully built. And then it's a little clip of it, like, tutoring around. Beach or something, yeah. So that's I, where in, Top Gear, yeah. I encourage everyone to go. Oh, yeah, Top Gear got it, yeah. That's yeah. Right. So, I mean, we I think we're all going to say probably going to be, it's a thumbs up for us in regards to what it is. I mean, it's an incredible piece of machinery. Um, I mean, it's truly a work of art. The idea that you can throw it around like that, it looks like a whole host of fun, let's be honest. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's, 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 it's, it's big money though. So, but I, it's, I think that we the, might see one in Hollywood. So, you know, well, uh, I, I'd I, see one, Craig, let's, let's put this uh, in the next movie. <laughs> I, I think this would be get more press if it was in a uh, freeway pursuit in California. Oh. Because they ain't gonna catch this car. No, no, not if it goes, especially if it goes off road into the into the hills or something. That Red thing Mars is Mars. awesome. Well, uh, that is cool. Uh, is that it on this one, James? Yeah, I mean that's 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 what more do you want to know, Sam? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was pretty comprehensive there, to be fair. But if you're telling me I'm not, I mean, Just I can do my it. homework. Uh, have they started taking orders or no? Um, I mean, think there's always, you can take orders for Singer as long as you've got the money to pony up there oh, and get yourself true. on the list. I know that when I spoke to Rob and his marketing team there last year, it was like a two-year waiting list. Um, mm. And that was many moons ago. So I think that the waiting list is still obviously very steep and long. Oh, yeah, but especially if it's a Porsche too. I mean, there's so many Porsche fanatics out there. So. Yeah, and the whole the whole deal about this car is it's not just looks, right? I mean, it is really like race ready and they're actually testing it so the client uh can actually go racing in this car around yeah, the world what, I, like what whole, I, I think was goal. interesting is is how everyone wanted to make their like the, the thing is i want to make my car like a singer is how everyone likes to spec out these like multi-million mm. dollar or multi-million pound mm. conversions of retro cars i want to make it as good as a singer and this is where singers said well you've been making or talking about doing Safari 911s. Well, here's our Safari 911. So mm. they've just raised the bar when they've been like, right. okay. Go go eat your heart out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's it's squillions of dollars to be talking about it, but it is a, it's an incredible piece of machinery for seeing what it is. Mm. I mean, it's truly awe-inspiring of what they can come up with and the thought process behind it. And yeah, there's I a mean, good video out, out on the top gear. Uh, yeah, YouTube 25 channel, minutes. Want to go see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we recommend going and checking that one out. Awesome. Um, hey, Craig, I think your wife would like this, right? She's a Porsche person. Well, I wouldn't be worried to her about her curving wheels and that thing. <laughs> no, no. Well, you would if she <laughs> did. She could run over curbs. Christ. I mean, that might be the only challenge there. <laughs> she could run over curbs with this thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, thank you, James. That's awesome. That's great. 
uh, yeah, and I was just going to say before I, I wrap up, I was going to just pull it over onto the uh, one moment as we try and get here to where we go. So there was the Singer website. Oh, it's coming up. And then that was the Top Gear view there here if you wanted to go catch up there where they go and they, the host talks to Richard Tuthill about the design. So it's pretty good. It's worth it. Definitely worth it. Is the host, the is the host Jeremy? Clarkson? No, it's not Jeremy. No, no, no. It's, on the it's the new guys. Yeah. Mm. And, it's a good uh, video, though. Jer and of course, Sam, Jeremy's recovering post COVID. Oh, duh, he's Top obviously Gear. to do I, with uh, I, I, the Grand I, Tour and not I know, Top Grand Gear Tour. Anymore. I'm sorry. I, that's, I, my, that's what happens when you. Still, when I you think they're done with Grand Tour, too, guys. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't know. When I hear Top, when I see Top Gear, I just automatically, I, you know, I think of those guys still. So They've only oh, had I, three I, new guys I, for about I four know, years, Sam. I know. And the only other thing that I wanted to touch on before I give up my thing to you, Sam, was I just wanted to show has the new documentary that's coming from HBO about the Lady and the Dale. The, the Dale and the Dale. Oh, Which was this? Remember that? It's a I, I, yeah. I, I think I tried to forget it, but. Uh, well, no, well, it's got an incredible backstory. I know about this well from my time at the Peterson where they have the day or that. Oh, that's right. You, yeah. Oh, wow. So it is very, it's going to be a four part documentary. Um, and it's that's obviously really the current question is a very interesting car, but it's one more so that uh, the story about it is totally unbelievable. It takes one turn and then you go for another turn and another turn and another turn and it escalates quite quickly. And that's uh, so, that's airing like in a few weeks, right? January thirty first is when it's going to okay. be coming Definitely to HBO. Watch that. So I saw the prices right on it. Is that part of the well, story? They, yes. So they oh, try okay. to give one away on the prices right. Mm, okay. But uh, it's yeah, it's a lots of uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. The four part documentary, so very one there to watch. It's Definitely. More, Definitely. Uh, it goes down many, many different twists and turns. One might say. Mm, I, I I love those kind of stories. You know that. I'm trying, Sam. Now, Sam, how can I help you out with your cars? Okay, well, for my segment... Which one do you want to do first? Uh, I will go with the um, uh, the Aspark. So, uh, Craig, here's another, here's another new one um, uh, from Japan, actually. So, uh, today, the first pod speed of the year, I thought a fitting car to introduce for my segment was something Japanese. Uh, pretty radical, and to me, I think it's pretty awesome, but... Uh, so let me introduce you to what I'm kind of dubbing the Mecha Godzilla, uh, and I made up that name for this car. So if you think it's corny, sorry, but uh, people my age and older will remember Mecha yeah. Godzilla. It's on so, HBO Max right now, by the way. What is? I just, I just saw it. Mecha Godzilla versus Godzilla. No Go way! Find it on HBO. Oh Max. my god! Yeah, okay, so hey, you guys, you guys can introduce yourselves. I was to show what I'm talking son. about, but uh, <laughs> what it is, it's a futuristic version of Godzilla, right? And uh, I have a photo of it. Uh, is it up? Uh, yes. Yeah. It is up. And it's a 1971 classic, uh, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. But anyways, back to the cars. Uh, so why I'm referring to this car, you'll see, is the car I'm referring to is the Aspark Owl. And Aspark is spelled A-S-P-A-R-K -A and Owl as in the bird. So I don't know why they... Uh, chose the owl. I think owl's a, owl's a cool bird. Uh, but it's an all-electric supercar from Japan that was originally introduced as a concept in 2017. And this car, believe it or not, because I, I really didn't give it a shot of it ever seeing the day of light, 
but uh, it went officially went on sale last week. Uh, this car has been dubbed the fastest accelerating car in the world. So, uh, and Aspark, uh, which is uh, the company, is headquartered in Osaka, Japan. So, in West Japan, and they last week they opened up a showroom in that city that, uh, and they started taking orders for for this car, the Owl. Uh, and customers uh, in Japan, Europe, and North America uh, can order one. Uh, I don't think they've opened it up to the rest of the world quite yet. So what do you get with this new uh, car, the Owl? Well, for one, it comes with a 1,985 horsepower drivetrain uh, provided uh, by four electric motors. Uh, torque is rated at a massive 1,475 pound-feet. Uh, this allows this car to go uh, hit a top speed of 249 miles per hour. Uh, I don't know if they've ever uh, tested it to go that fast, but that's what they, they claim. And they say it has a 249 mile driving range also. So, you know, it's uh, right kind of up there with uh, the Teslas. And then um, the, according to Aspark, the motor's rotation speed is 15,000 RPM. So we were talking about those high revenue. Uh, gasoline engine RPMs in Formula One cars. Well, this motor's rotation is 50,000 RPM, which they claim it's, is the fastest uh, motor rotation speed in the world for an electric car. So last October, Aspark actually took this uh, a prototype of the Owl and put it through its paces at the Misano World Circuit in Italy. And they claim it went from zero to 60 miles per hour in 1.72 seconds. So it's uh, we're on gosh. street legal tires. So under two seconds, uh, zero, zero to 60 oh time. God. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it's, 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 a, it's, it's a beast. It's, it's Mecha Godzilla. So yeah. Uh, Dan, where did they get the electric drivetrain from? Uh, I do not know. Uh, so it's not I, I looked then? all over the place and I couldn't find, I don't know if they, uh, if they outsourced it. Uh, they, uh, but you know what? Here's the thing. Um, Aspark is actually, they're not a car, they're not a car company. They're, uh, in fact, an industrial engineering firm uh, and that decided, hey, you know, if Tesla could do it and Apple's building an electric car, hey, we could do it too. And, uh, and they said, hey, if we're going to build one, let's build one with, you know, with, with uh, you know, we'll just go, let's go all the way. If, hey, if you're going to be a bear, let's be a grizzly, you know? So do so, they make other... Uh... No, right now, too? right now, this is the only one right now. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, according to Aspark, you know, uh, Aspark, <laughs> uh, they'll be building 50 units at first, uh, 20s uh, destined for Europe, 20s destined to Asia. Oh, I'm sorry, and the Middle East, Asia, Middle East, that kind of put together, and uh, 10 for North America. So, uh, those interested in you, America, you guys uh, who have three and a half million dollars to spend on a car. Uh, should uh, get in touch with the Gables Sports, uh, the Gables Sports Cars, which is a dealership uh, uh, in Miami, Florida, that um, deals with uh, used exotic cars. Uh, the cars will be um, available through them because they are not a car company. They don't really have a dealership except for the one in their hometown in Osaka. Uh, you know, those who live in Middle East and you know uh, Europe will have to, you know, they have to go to their whoever you know their distributor is. So, as I said, it's a three with the exchange current exchange rates about three and a half million dollars, uh, which is large, which is a lot of money for a, pretty much a largely untested car. But if it lives up to the hype, you know, it might be worth it if you're, you know, if you're, if you have a lot of money lying around that you need to spend. 
But uh, if not, well, you guys know what happened to Mecha Godzilla. It's uh, if you don't watch the movie, you know, but probably the yeah, probably didn't beat be, be, be the real one. So uh, you BTR guys out there might be, uh, you know, hey, man, the Godzilla is Godzilla. No one's going to beat Godzilla. So Tara, do you think that Mecha Godzilla is actually wearing San Matani sunglasses? <laughs> they are orange. So I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, hey, man, if I had three and a half million dollars to spend, uh, I, don't, I don't think I would buy this car. But, you know, uh, if I was a billionaire, maybe, who knows? I'd rather get that singer uh, off-road. Well, if you, uh, yeah, that's, that we just saw that. Hey, that's a great question there, Taro. I mean, yeah, which. Hey, Craig, which one would you get? Pagani yeah. Wire, Pagani Wire or Zonda Sankar. OK, but what if it was between these two? Um. I would go with the singer because A, I still love Porsches. B, everything that he touches is a masterpiece. And I don't even like getting my cars dirty, but that car is a bloody work of art. Uh, James? Um, I mean, I'd get a, just a regular singer for 500,000 pounds, and then I'd have 3 million pounds yeah, yeah, left in the bank so yeah, I could buy how, other things. That's not how this game works, James. No, just, gotta, I've just changed the rules. The I've just changed the rules. I've just stepped gotta, outside the box. change the rules. I've just too late, Sam. Cards. I already did it. I hate I to say this, but we, we don't be the Trump, Donald Trump of of this podcast. You can't change the rules. I'd you really can't like overturn the rules here. I mean, I, at this, I, with this point, with the hypercars that are coming out that are electric based, that are all basically the same. I mean, this, this, uh, the Owl, the Remax um, number two that's coming out, the Lotus, they're all basic, the, uh, the one from the Pininfarina, they're all essentially the same car, sub 2,000 horsepower, three and a half million dollars, all accelerate to 60 in about the same time. It's just picking whichever marketplace, you know? I mean, they're, but they, they're all hitting the very, very similar points. So but this I one looks to... like this one looks like it can go forward and backwards. <laughs> well, Fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I have to admit, I really, for a car, for a non-car company, this car, really looks i think it really looks it's a good looking car i mean it's a good looking car but i prefer to buy it from a design house so i'd probably want to go with pin and farina or i'd probably want to go with british racing heritage even though it's not british anymore in regards to lotus for the same car hey, but it, craig, is a, it is a pretty car hey craig which cars uh not 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 uh limiting yourself to these two which cars would you uh uh put in your garage in the you know the super hyper car genre uh, you mentioned big, a couple. I'm a big Pagani fan. Wow. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a McLaren fan. Um, you know, there's a couple of Aston Martins I wouldn't mind having. But the Pagani, huh? Pagani, man, just that V, that that Mercedes motor and those things is just absolutely sexy. It just it's but a car know, that I just like everything about it. I, you know, uh, but I, I want to see how much traction this car gets, you know, as as they get delivered, because it is really striking looking. I, I really I mean, like it the does. Look it, it looks like a vintage LMP car from this angle. It I mean, really from this does, angle yeah. here, it looks like the Porsche GT1 LMP it, car. It, uh, you know what? I was just thinking about a, a GT1, was, um, you know, uh, car. So a little reminiscent of the Nissan R390. Yeah, that too. Yeah, the, same the, uh, obligation same car. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it's And, you know, what's awesome is... Uh, uh, it looks like it's a left-hand drive, which is, you know, although it's Japanese and it's in Osaka, they put the steering wheel on the correct side. I, I like that. <laughs> and it's Japanese-made, so we know it's going to be good. 
We hope, yeah, it won't break. So we hope. So, but it is Osaka. I will say that the, the seating, the, the seating hey. position is uh, is very unique, though, in this car. It yeah, is. I know. Look how, look how low, legs are way up. The, look yeah. how high the legs are. And the yeah, I think it's almost so like Formula One seating, you know? You yeah, know, so it must lie down it, on the, in the... It would, I will say, it would be very difficult to get in and out of this car. Yeah, it would. I, you probably won't get in if you had like a big old pot belly or something. Well, it's not that, but then you always, whenever you bring your feet out of the car, you're always going to have that little spot with the scuff, with your shoes, <laughs> with the dirt on at the same time. Same yeah. spot every time you go in and out of it. And you're gonna yeah. do your best to miss it, but you'll always touch some portion of it. Yeah, yeah you got to scoot yeah. your butt in. You got to go in from your butt. But it, but it is also there's a lot of head headspace there. So you probably but it's, won't hit you gonna, it's, the, it's gonna be the drop in. It's always gonna be one of those ones where you're like it. Just I appreciate that, but I just think it's just the practicality of having. Obviously, but then we're talking about a three and a half million. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, this well, is a Japanese. Off. It's a Japanese car, so you're gonna take your shoes off, right? And then you're gonna uh, put your butt okay, in, and then you're good. gonna slide yeah. your legs through. <laughs> well, then where do you put your shoes? Do you think you're gonna have slippers on the inside of this? Your toilet slippers? Little, is that what you're saying? There's a, there's a little section to put your shoes. Oh, yeah, is right, that what the section is behind the screen there? Is that where your shoes go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What the, were you gonna say, Craig? In, the seats incline like they do in the F-16 fighters, so you can withstand more G's. But I'm trying to figure out how the heck you get your size 10 American feet underneath the dash and above that more, uh, the more thigh support. More important than that, Craig, yeah. though, is what this is what someone else in our panel here is really concerned about. There is no cup holders for that giant coffee that they need in the morning. There is no coffee. Where, where are you going to put it. your coffee? I mean, when you do your Starbucks run, where are you going to put that coffee? There's also there's always aftermarket, James. Yep, that's true. Yeah. That's true. We uh, WeatherTech makes a nice little coffee. Built into their formats. So, anyways, uh, you guys, uh, we all love the Porsche. Uh, what do you guys think about this three and a half million dollar, uh, very very niche specialty car, only fifty in the world? Um, you guys like thumbs up, thumbs down? Don't care. I need Thumbs to up see for me, Sam. I need to see Supercars Blondie's review of it, and then I'll give my opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Taro? Uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, Taro I'm a, doesn't care. Yeah, uh, it's an electric car, you know, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, it's Japanese, so there's we can expect I, high quality, but we haven't heard anything about the car. So. I do like the window within a window, uh, which reminds me of the old SVX, Subaru SVX. I like the design, oh, though. Yeah. I like the exterior design. It looks. I like how low it is. I will say that I do like how low it is. I like the proportions of it. I think it's proportioned very well. Me too. I do like I do how it look, like, like how it looks. Okay. Well, anyways, going from that, then we'll go to the next car, which we thought could originally be uh, uh, the Godzilla for the new age which is the NSX. Uh, we've already reported a number of times that the current hybrid version has left something to be desired uh, as in sales. And, you know, I, I don't think we really like it that much in, you know, on our panel, we, you know, we think we, we like the original NSX a lot better The new uh, NSX, not, not so much. Is that correct guys? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, our Craig, Craig what do you think about the current? Yeah, Craig, that's a great into? that's a great take, Craig. I, I'd be really wondering what you think about the NSX out right now. 
uh, if I'm looking at the NSX, not not this one. This is a concept. I yeah, that, yeah. That, ignore this one. This one's just out there for uh, my report. So my nephew sells them at a dealership. He's a GM at a dealership in a different state. Um, I like what they've done with the car. It's a high quality car. It just lacks something. I can't quite put my finger on it. That je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, je ne sais quoi. Huh? Uh, yeah. But this looks like they're moving and chasing the the nouveau riche. The typical Huracan owner with the bright colors and the aggressive lines and so forth. It looks a little convoluted with all these little stripes. It's like a combination of a Subaru. Yeah, but don't, uh, hey, but Craig, don't comment on this car. What do you think about the right. car now? Um, That's it. Just yeah, it just it's just missing something. And... It's just missing something aesthetically. I haven't driven yeah. one on a track, so it would be unfair yeah. for me to give you like a, a full kind of report or opinion on it. I like what I see. It just doesn't excite me enough to say, hey, if I ever got rid of my GTR, I'd be giving that a serious look. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally with you, too. I would take the R35 over that right now, too. Okay, so our Otaku Ninjas have said that the, that Honda is going to be going full EV with this supercar for 2025, as everyone else is in, as we've just talked about that, you know, with the cafe rules and so the NSX will be full, uh, not a hybrid, but full EV in 2025. Uh, our ninjas also say that Honda is aiming to make this next um, NSX a better performer than the Porsche Taycan. So right now, that's their that's their um, uh, standard. That's what they're that, that's their measuring stick. They want to they want to outperform the Taycan. And so we asked our friends at Best Car to you know give us what they uh, have visually, um, and they came up with what this car is which Craig if I'm going to ask you to kind of comment on what you thought of the, of the looks of this car because I, I totally agree with what you said but uh, uh, it does look to me it looks like something from like Mars Attacks or something but it, I think it looks better than the car that's out now uh, as of now we have no reliable specs as of yet but uh, the ninjas do say that uh, it's safe to expect something in the range of 500 to 625 horsepower with all-wheel drive and a range of about 200 to 300 miles. So uh, no price uh, as of yet. It, you know, it's got pro it'll probably be uh, right around the Porsche Taycan um, neighborhood just because that's the car they're going after. But um, yeah, Craig, I'm gonna start it with you. What do you, what do you think about Porsche Taycan performance in this package that you see in front of you? When you say performance to you, does that include a range? Because range anxiety. Yes, gets yes, yes. Range also, of course. Okay. Well, 200, 200, when they say 200, 200 to 300, to 300 miles. Yeah. When they say that, that really means 100 miles because if you step <laughs> on the gas. Yeah, it depends on how fast you're going. But yeah. yeah. So I, I'm just curious as who, who's the customer of this? It's not a former Prius owner. Who's going to want a supercar that could go maybe 100, 150 miles quickly? And then you got to take it home and charge it again or whatever. Well, I mean, who's the Taycan owner, right? Uh, I think the people who are buying gasoline engine. Anyway, we'll, we'll get off that. We'll get off that point. I think that the, the styling is a bit of an issue for me. Once they, I mean, this is probably just a concept. So it, exactly, yeah. So we can't really. You know, and I have to see the interior and drive it and all that kind of stuff. I does, like I said, this one doesn't light me up uh, mm -hmm. any more than the last one did. But I, I need to see it in person, in person, because as you know. A lot of times you see these cars, uh, just renderings and so forth, and then you see them in real life, and they actually look a lot better. So yeah, yeah, I th I, I agree with you. But uh, do you think uh, Acura Honda slash Acura is doing the correct thing by going all electric and actually going after the Porsche Taycan, or should 
they stick with hybrid? What I mean, um, should they even call this an NSX? Well, it looks it looks like it could be an evolution of the NSX, but you know, the, everybody's like I said, they got to get it to the gas mileage mark. Right. Uh, they got to move technology, and they have to think long term. I mean, the last NSX, this one that just came out, was what twenty years after the last one. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a little bit of a break. Yeah, a little bit of a break. So if they're going to do another thing with a platform or the basic fundamental layout, it's going to last for another 20 years. They got to move to the future rather than to what would be best today. They have to. That, they have yeah. to. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the 240SX electric car that we were, you know, we've, we've heard of our parallel hybrid car. So, hey, Tara, what do you think? Uh, of this car? Well, I mean, um, of the NSX and the NSX evolving into something like this. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, you it's don't a really like you're just an NSX guy at all. Well, no, the, the problem is that I love the first NSX so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, we it's all a, do. It's, yeah. it's such a pure race car turned street car, you know. It's an icon, yeah. It's a... it's, a, it's an iconic car. You know, the, the, whole, the whole build and the concept of the car was yeah. very revolutionary. Trickle down Formula One back then. Yeah, right. right? Um, but the, the, I think it's just kind of the same with what Craig mentioned earlier that the current Acura NSX has really nothing, like I've mentioned this before, that it has nothing really brand new or special about it, right? Mm -hmm. it, the, the, even like the technology, it's like- really Well, they, they say they do, you know, the super uh, four-wheel, you know, the- They had that- All-wheel drive handling, you Super know? handling, all-wheel yeah, drive. They right, had right. that already in the, in the, what was that? The, the 80s. Was it? The, the legend, was it? The, the, oh, uh, the that's legend. right. Maybe the legend or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The legend already had it, right? And oh, so yeah, well. it's, nothing is brand new, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that was a problem with this one, right? The current one. And with this one, I think they really have to. They need uh, something revolutionary. They, they need something revolutionary. And especially mm -hmm. if, if it's a, going to be a flagship car of your brand, it, it's got to be, you know, special. They've got to, there's got to be a selling point that really makes it sexy. And um, I think that's the challenge that they're that they're facing. If they're going to name the car the NSX, it's got to be as revolutionary as the. the okay, first I'm going to ask I'm going to ask James a different question. James, the uh, original NSX that we all love, Darrell says he loves it. I love it. It did. It definitely had the um, trickle down racing technology from Formula One, uh, you know, with their uh, uh, VTEC and all that stuff. Um, is is something like this gonna uh, suffer because uh, Honda is not in racing right now in that well, they, kind of you know that high level that, racing? They're going to be doing their engines for the IndyCar series. So right, IndyCar is that enough? Uh, well, I mean, look, I let's hear this. I mean, Honda Acura. I would love the chance to get to drive an NSX. So please, if you're listening or a Civic Type R, <laughs> more than happy to give it a run out there and let the guys know what my feedback is on it. Uh, this car in particular, I will say I really do like the green color. I'm a big fan of that. But <laughs> honestly, I don't really see NSX with this. I see either Civic SI or Honda Beat, but that's my take on it. <laughs> no, um, okay, okay. You, you got you to gotta consider the size. It's a lot bigger. Okay. No, I'm just saying. So from this, if you're looking at it, I mean, the size is all well and good. But for me, I mean, it, it's hard backs to more a Honda Beat or a Civic SI aesthetic for me in this image. Um, I know. I kind of like how this thing looks. <laughs> I mean, th there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this whatsoever. I'm, I mean, the wheels are a bit not for me, but everything else looks. I mean, it looks like it's taking the styling. I could see the cues on the Civic uh, Type R on the front there. 
Um, I like the idea of that rear wing sort of harks back to the current model uh, NSX there and, and the twin colors is sort of something that, that sort of makes it more uh, expensive. But look, Honda, Acura, I'm here to spend some time in the cars. Please let me do it and let these guys give some feedback on some real world driving. Okay, my take on this is if this car uh, actually really did have Taycan-like uh, performance, uh, I would probably uh, be in the market for this thing. I, I, you know, I love Porsches, but I don't like how that Taycan looks right now. You know, mm. I mean, and everyone who's driven that Taycan told me it is just the absolute, one of the greatest cars they've ever driven. They were really impressed, all the, you know, my journalist friends. And I haven't driven the Taycan yet myself, but if the uh, Acura NSX came out with something like this and, you know, there was no all electric GTR, there was no, all, this was the, you know, either this or the Taycan, I would take a very serious look at this car. So this, this, this thing kind of looks like the successor to the 2G Mitsubishi Eclipse. It, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, does yeah, look that, like a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Yeah, you, yeah. you could, yeah, uh, yeah, but um, if you like shrink it down a little bit, I, I'm, I'm already looking at it as a, a little bigger car, you know, bigger than Eclipse. But yeah, I, I could totally see that too. But um, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, a sporty two door like this, all electric that has Taycan performance. Yeah, I, I definitely give, give this thing a look, you know, especially if it's in the same price range or so. So, and, and I'll, I'll go back to what I was talking about, James. And if it did have some kind of racing lineage, like you said, Tyro, it, uh, not, it doesn't have to be revolutionary, but, you know, something kind of, kind of cool racing lineage like the uh, original NSX had, I think you know, would only help it. So I think yeah. the, best, the best racing thing is always if you had a push to pass button. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why and not? And that's why not? The, the premise of it being an electric car and it can just shoot a few extra horsepower there. Yeah, when you're on the freeway and behind yeah. the, yeah, behind the, you know, behind the slower car. Or, exactly. You know, yeah, you push push to pass. yeah. <laughs> I think this car needs to have doors that go up like a Lambo. The Lambo doors. Well, the color kind of, you know, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, 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 I, I can't remember. The Tigon's a regular opening, or did they go up? No, no, it's, it's a regular. It's regular, a regular. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But a car of this color should have the, you know, the gold. Oh, the gold dude, this is the color the artist, artist painted. I mean, <laughs> I think, you I'm know, just he, knew, he, he knew how to capture James's heart. He goes, I, if I make anything this color, James is going to like it. So, <laughs> so there you go. But this car in like silver or, you know, gunmetal gray, I think it would look really cool, you know? So anyways, anyways, that's my report. The Aspark Owl and the uh, 2025 Acura slash Honda NSX. So. I think Honda needs to embrace their, their racing and their heritage a little bit, a little bit better. Well, they did when, you know, Soichiro was alive, you know, I mean, well, he was, yeah, he's been so. gone for a while though, but yeah, like, well, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, I think a lot of the other brands are doing a better job with that, mm -hmm. you know, with, uh, well, they kind of, like, yeah, they kind of got out of racing, you know, like James said, they've been in and out of IndyCar for a while, but yeah. yeah, but like, like even like their, their past heritage, like Mazda has like a refurbishing program for their roadsters, for example. Right. And then Nissan's coming out with the Nissan, like, uh, this yeah. one was coming out well, with like and, and Mazda's new, been riding parts. Mazda's been riding riding their yeah. long win forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then Nissan embraces Nismo and the old parts, and they're coming out with uh, genuine parts for right. for old parts. Toyota and their the, WRC heritage, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and they're doing that for for customer cars, but Honda doesn't do anything. I that it just reminds me of um, 
we just did an interview with, uh, with a guy that runs a shop in Japan. And he was saying that the Hondas are way too expensive now. So really? the, the 90s Hondas, yeah. The, like oh, the Civics, because they've gone up. The EG and the EKs, are too, yeah. they're too expensive. Those were the, car, the go-to cars where you know, kids used to tune because they were hand-me-downs. But now in Japan, it's like they're too expensive and you can't even go racing in them now. So people mm-hmm. buy like the new Toyota GT. Or, or the, GR, the, the GR Yaris. I yeah, mean, they're, they're, they're cheaper now like, than, than buying awesome. like yeah. 90s uh, Civics. I'm really so. looking forward to driving that GR Yaris. I really am. So that yeah, yeah. Looks looks you good. and me both, Sam. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah, so. so anyways, um, I think that's our, pretty much our show for the days. But before we uh, sign off, uh, let's go with James. Uh, what do you got coming up? Oh, well, first, before we do that, let's go oh. uh, do one thing I just want to show off. Oh, wait, Tarl, did you have anything? You're, we're good, right? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't have any, any oh, cars. Okay. I just, um, yeah, nothing. Okay, go ahead, James. What do you got? Well, no, the No Breaking Podcast is back up. So yes. Oh, yeah, there we go. So the first one, of uh, last one, I should say, episode 102 was with Mike Burrows from Stanceworks. Um, currently in the process of seeing that yellow 308. Oh, it's a 308. I, it was hard to see from here. Yeah, so that's it doesn't getting, look like a 308, but it it's is. Get, huh? It's getting a transplant and it's getting K24 swapped. Wow. What? Yes. So they've taken really? the, the 800 horsepower V8 what? out of it and putting <laughs> uh, a K24 in there for a TSX. Wow. That's like blasphemy. That's like well, a, that's like no. a crime. No, I'm going to so, call the cops right now, so, man. Sam, I think you must be out of the loop. K, K24 swap is a ULS swap. So you're well out of the loop. I mean, K24 yeah, now. Hey, call me a, old school. Call me a purist. <laughs> what? You don't want a mid-engined Honda stroking a beautiful body? I mean, look, this is, a, this is an evolution. It's a Ferrari. Yeah, with a stagnant V8 that had terrible U.S. bumpers and extra weight on. So you're taking yeah, that out. So true. you're going to take it. The American version did have the bad bumpers. So this is going to be a car that originally was 202 horsepower. The TSX engine stock form is 205 horsepower. Obviously, you're going to turbocharge that. It will be closer probably to, say, conservative numbers is around 500, 550 horsepower. Taking 600 pounds of extra weight out of the car just from the engine, basically, with the swap. And there you go. I mean, it's a Put it in a Honda. Oh, my God. That's like burn you at the stake. I mean, it's Sam, it's taking out a $10,000 engine, selling a $10,000 engine, and building a sports car that would be race spec for that price of that engine. Oh, okay. I I see. I I see. It's just just wrong. That's all I'm saying. It's just wrong. Well, anyway, what you should do, (laughs) Sam, you should do is listen to the podcast and then you hear all about Mike talking about it. You know I will. And then the next thing that we're going to talk about is a podcast. A lot lot of stuff you're pimping here. Look, it just dropped today with my my friend John Stabal. Also, people want to listen back in our original talk with John Stabal with RJ Devera. I thought it would be a good time to like bring that one up too. So you can also check out No Breaking for episode 103 with John. Awesome. And we could find it uh, where? Give me all the places you could find it. I mean, obviously you can find it at nobreaking.com. That's Mm -hmm. not a problem. You can find it on any place you can find a podcast. So obviously these ones are showing Spotify. You can find it on Amazon Music. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Google Podcasts. I can keep going on the number of podcast platforms that's out there. 
But you can all those find places it. you can find this podcast, you can find exactly. No Breaking Podcast. Oh, great. exactly. And so please, anyway. uh, please listen, especially the Ferrari one. And I just hope you think it's blasphemous as I do, but we'll see how you feel after. Well, I this is say, wrong. You know what I'm saying? I will say this, Sam. Uh, Mike, Mike has had his fair share of haters along the way. In oh, I don't hate it. I mean, you do anything, but I mean, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't do that with my uh, if I had two Ferraris, maybe I'd do it with one of them, but you know what I'm saying? Well, all I'm saying is okay. it's he does wonderful work. He's going to be an incredible build by the end of it, so you should definitely check that out. But please, okay. go like, subscribe, follow No Breaking Podcast. Craig, Craig's smiling, and Craig wasn't saying anything, but I think Craig likes the idea. I do. I'm a big fan of John <laughs> Sabal. Big fan of John Sabal's work, too. You know, John used to be and I, we used to be in the same car club, Art and Motion, back in the day. And anything that John is involved with, I always follow Awesome. Well, you're going to have to check out the podcast too, then, Craig. Yeah, John's uh, been John's been killing it with these uh, uh, renderings of the new cars that, especially like the Z's and all the new cars that have. What about this one? Out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So That's this guys, one, right? Yeah. Um, doesn't what, he have what a Honda? Is in this? It's got a K24 in here. swap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, in a 190, I'm okay with that. We're talking a Ferrari, man. <laughs> Okay, whatever, man. That's all right. Okay, uh, are we good? All right, We're you good, good, James? I'm good. Okay, Tara, what do you got coming up? GT Channel. Uh, yeah, let me. I have just have a couple things. So GT Channel, we just um, released a couple videos. Um, go check out gtchannel.com. This is an 11 year old kid that goes He's drifting. Okay. Yeah, this dude is. This kid is really good. He's the son of um, uh, Minoa. He he drifts in like D1 and. Uh, at formula drift okay. japan like uh, his, the mozart of drifting and his kid yeah dude this guy can this little kid can rip okay. <laughs> he's got his own chaser and he goes ripping around uh um you know, and he's 11 so hey in he's japan when, when 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 uh when what's the legal age of driving in japan 18 oh but uh i mean minoa is he's quite handy behind the wheel let's not be honest here so his dad's a good teacher yeah, well, yeah. yes yeah and it's funny because he's like who's your favorite driver and he's like james dean <laughs> <laughs> well you know what with the mask they really look alike you know so yeah <laughs> eyes look alike so yeah and then um we also uh just released a new video uh we visited uh fujitsubo uh, oh, exhaust okay. system. Yeah, so we had uh, Captain Bradford. He uh, uh, visited Fujitsubo exhaust systems, um, learned how to design uh, new. <laughs> Look at him coming through the door. Um, yeah, how to how to scan um, mufflers and and design um, computer aided design uh, exhaust systems. Mm. And so this one's this one's already out on on GT Channel as well. So go go check it out. It's a good awesome. one. Awesome. I also isn't there an incredible Rav4 Prime uh, oh, article yes. as well on there? I, I I I was not forgetting that. Um, he he article, forgot about it, James. In our article section, we do have a, a Rav4 Prime review. Oh my God, who wrote that? By Mr. James <laughs> McKeon, yeah, and we also have a couple couple micro moments videos awesome. here with the article that supplements the uh, wonderful writing by Mr. McKeon, and uh, God, it's lovely long. photos, lovely photos as well, all yeah. shot originally by James, uh, originally by Toyota, yeah, yeah, those are James <laughs> photos. Come on, so. I know, 
Uh, look, so I'm just good. trying to be stay safe with COVID, Sam. That's oh, what I'm dude. saying. I want exactly. you to stay safe. Don't, don't, don't want go and shoot safe. pictures. Just use the press yeah. photos because yes. they're just as good. Yeah. Oh, uh, Craig, is there anything you need to pitch, pump? Well, just uh, go to my YouTube channel and go through the libraries. If you have questions about any of the cars or how we did anything with the Fast and Furious movies, constantly adding one about a week. So I'm a one man show, but uh, there's a lot of good information. I have an Instagram page as well. So I do post there periodically. You can yeah. reach there or through my website, fastandfuriousfacts.com. Awesome. And Craig, we really uh, uh, appreciate you hanging around and everything and joining us for, for sure today. And sharing us all the cool kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, stories with Fast and the Furious and stuff. Congrats like on the 100K subscribers. Yeah, too. exactly. Uh, that too. So. Thanks to all the fans. If you guys ever want to get together and do some projects, let me know. We definitely will. So, okay, well, that's it. Thank you, guys. Um, uh, that was our first uh, first official uh, podcast for 2021. More on the way, right, Taro? Of course. Of course. So we will see you in a couple of weeks. So. Goodbye, good luck, Podspeed. See you later.